Good morning again, everyone. It is now 9.31. Welcome to this meeting of the Portfolio Committee on Health on the uh, 23rd of March. Each and everyone are welcome, including the members of the Portfolio Committee, the staff, the members from the department, and we will get an indication who will be here from the department, and also members of the media I see who are present. I see ENCA um, Social 2 on our platform, and uh, Ms. Majalamba would let me know if there are any other members of the media present today on our meeting. And um, so we are about to receive today presentations from the Auditor General of South Africa on the Health Sector's Annual Performance Plan and Budget Review, and then the Health Sector's Audit Outcomes, and also a report on the Vaccines Audit Report. So you're very welcome also uh, to members from the Auditor General's Office. I will be coming back to you a little bit later. Before we proceed, Ms. Machalamba, can we get an uh, idea of attendance and apologies and uh, about the uh, live transmissions of uh, our portfolio committee meeting today and attendance of any other media um, stations or persons? Thank you very much. Good morning, then. Thank you, Chair. Present is Dr. Jacobs, Mr. Munyai, Ms. Keller, Mr. Sokacha, Dr. Harvard, Ms. Wilson, Ms. Ishmael, Dr. Tembeguayo, Ms. Sherwa, Mr. Van Staden, and Mr. Imam Sheikh. I'm not sure if Umar Mushengwa has logged in as Magdalene. I'm not sure if. Yes, I logged in. Oh, okay. Mamushengwa also. I've received apologies for Clark. She will join the meeting later. And Ms. Sukers. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, much uh, Ms. Majalamba. Members, before we proceed, we should be reminded that this is a virtual meeting that is deemed to be in the precinct of Parliament and therefore constitutes a meeting of a committee of the National Assembly for official purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have lost to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the microphones are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of their screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand to raise points of order. The secretariat will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. When using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. Interjections. So that having said, I also want to welcome the uh, parliamentary liaison officer, 
Mr. Joe Khatla to give us an indication who will be attending from the ministry, whether there are any apologies, and also from the department. Is Mr. Khatla on the platform? Not yet, Chair. Thank you. Not yet. I, I am fully aware that uh, the minister is attending cabinet today and also that the deputy minister is attending uh, a, a program. Um, I think it's uh, either in Limpopo or Pumalanga with the deputy president today. So we'll accept those as apologies from, uh, from the uh, office of the ministry. Uh, AG, uh, the representatives, I see two hands. I do not do iPhone XR East before I take the hand of Honorable Bunyai. Please make certain those who are on our platform that we at least be able to identify you, especially if you want to raise your hand. The iPhone XR chair is Ms. Clark. Thank you, Chair. Ms. Clark, thank you. So I will take the first hand which I saw raised is that of Honorable Bunyai, and then will be followed by Honorable Clark. Oh no, you already covered. I wanted us that we can move without the, the minister and the deputy minister because this is our meeting of the portfolio with the AG, you know, so that's very important. I'm sure after this meeting, at some point we'll have a meeting with the department after we're clear on the findings that arises from the, from the AG itself. Thank you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Thank you, Honorable Munyai. Honorable Talk? Thank you, Chair. I've just landed, so I am on my phone. I will change my name on my phone to be recognized after speaking to you. But I also would just like to raise the draft regulations of, of the health department that's come out. Now, I really feel that those draft regulations should be discussed at the committee um, in terms of what the changes are going to be and what impact those draft regulations are going to have. So if I could request that, Chair, I think it's really important. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honourable Talk. We are noting that for later on for us to have in our summary a reference to that. Thank you very much. There are no other hands. Um, let me welcome again the Office of the Auditor General of South Africa. Uh, who are you being led by? And if you will, the person who is leading can please indicate so and then also introduce the rest of the team and go straight on with the presentations. Thank you very much. Just be mindful that we do have a sitting today also and that we have allocated time until uh, 1300 hours today. And we would really have to place ourselves very well, uh, honorable members, so that we are able to finish on time. Office of the AG. Thank you, um, honorable chairperson. Honorable chairperson, good morning. Honorable members, good morning. And other colleagues, um, good morning. My name is Andris Sekheto. I'm the business unit leader within the office of the AG that takes care of, amongst others, uh, of portfolio. Um, honorable Chair, Honorable Members, 
today we've been invited to come and brief the portfolio committee on the three topics as outlined by the Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chair, taking my guidance from um, what you've just put on the table in terms of uh, the time constraints as well as the busy program, um, we will then proceed to uh, do the presentations. We'll start off with the first presentation being the high-level uh, feedback on the APP reviews, and then we'll, that'll be followed by the sector processes. Um, and as uh, it seems that uh, we, were, we, we are then uh, supposed to continue with uh, all our presentations, we will, it, those will then be followed by the presentation on the vaccine uh, special report. Honorable Chair, just before we continue with the presentations, a bit of uh, logistics and, and, and housekeeping from, from our side as the office of the AG. Um, I am joined by Ms. Tabero Musisinyane. Um, the committee would be quite uh, familiar with Ms. Tabero Musisinyane. She was the engagement manager uh, within the office of the AG who was responsible for the health portfolio. Um, honorable Chair, honorable members, um, it gives me great pleasure to announce that um, she has uh, progressed within the organization. She's now appointed as a deputy uh, business unit leader. Um, she will still be uh, involved within our unit, also assisting in health, but she will no longer be primarily uh, responsible for the health portfolio um, as she was in the past. This role will now be assumed by Ms. Mule Tipe. She's also uh, joined us on the call. Um, I will hand over to Ms. Tabero and then also to Ms. Tipe to just introduce themselves. And then I will then proceed with uh, giving the platform and, 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 and setting the, 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 the scene in terms of the presentations. Tabero? Um, thank you so much. Um, good morning, honorable channel of the members. I think it's int as introduced by Mr. Sketo. My name is Tabero Msusinyani, and I think the committee is familiar with me. I will hand over to um, Mule to then introduce herself. Good morning to the Honorable Chair and members of Parliament and colleagues. Um, as Andres has already mentioned, my name is Mule Tibe and I'll be the engagement manager that is responsible for the health sector. Thank you. Thank you, colleagues. Um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, um, we will then start with the presentations, but uh, maybe just before we get started, uh, from the presentation's point of view, the APP review, uh, it's worth noting, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, that we had really hoped that we would be in a position to provide the portfolio committee with uh, a view of the APPs of the national department, including that of the nine provincial departments. Um, unfortunately, our provincial, um, uh, the provincial health departments, the review of the APPs are still in progress, have not been finalized. Uh, the planned date for finalization for those uh, is, is currently planned for the end of March. So the feedback that will be given will just be primarily uh, limited to the National Department of Health. So that shouldn't take too long. Uh, as soon as we have our colleagues in the respective provinces, um, along with the provincial colleagues, have finalized the reviews of the provincial APPs, we will consolidate the feedback and we will distribute to the, to the portfolio committee uh, through the chairperson. And then, Honorable Chair, you would then recall that in the previous financial year, when we did the BRRR briefing, um, we had uh, included a, a particular notification that we will come back and brief the portfolio committee on the sector focus areas um, and the sector outcomes on those focus areas um, at that particular point in time. So Tabera will also uh, do a, three, a quick three or four uh, a, a slide presentation for us in terms of those key observations and findings uh, from that process, which will then be followed by the vaccine um, um, uh, presentation. 
Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, insofar as the the vaccine presentation is concerned, because that's going to take up the bulk of our of our efforts and uh, our attention here today. Um, it's worthwhile that I mentioned by way of background a couple of things just to keep in mind by the time we get to the, the vaccine presentation. The first one, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, the first point I would like to bring to the attention of the committee was just in terms of background, how this audit came about. Um, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members would note that as part of the government's response to the management of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the government then embarked on a process of uh, acquiring the vaccines in order to keep the, the citizens safe. The Honourable Minister at that particular point in time in January 2021, then approached the office of the AG and set up a meeting with the, the Auditor General Zakani, and they had an engagement and the minister then requested that we consider uh, doing a similar real-time audit to that which was done on the audit of the PPEs in the previous financial year. So uh, an agreement was reached. Uh, the, that engagement was on the 22nd of January 2021, uh, where the minister requested such assistance. From that process, um, we then proceeded as the Office of the AG to go and develop what we uh, refer to as a value chain based on our understanding of the processes that the department would then be embarking on uh, to then acquire, purchase the, 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 the vaccines, get them in the country, and then ultimately administer them to the citizens, making sure that it's supported by a platform of, of information. I don't know if it's possible for my colleagues to maybe just quickly uh, flight a high level, the value chain, which was then developed, uh, just for the benefit of the portfolio committee and ease of reference. So in that particular value chain, the intention was really to bring to the attention of management that as and when they were going to go about the process of, of, of uh, you know, implementing the vaccine program, that there were certain key things that they, that they were required to take uh, note of and uh, just consider in the back of their minds. Um, can we just make it a presentation format or, or slightly larger, please? Thank you. Um, so we developed uh, uh, the value chain, shared it with management, asked for their inputs, we consulted uh, certain CSOs or civil society organization as, uh, organizations as part of this process. Uh, we also consulted um, the, 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 the research, the National Research Foundation as well. Um, and, and some of those colleagues provided us with some invaluable inputs of things that the, that the sector needed to consider as and when they were embarking on the rollout of the program. The main intention, Honorable Chairman, members, was just to bring to the attention of the department and the sector, potential stumbling blocks or things that they needed to consider and risks they needed to manage as and when they were rolling out the, the vaccine program. So you will note, honorable chairperson, honorable members, that some of the points that are included under some of the blocks actually have question marks. So they were really to just jolt management's uh, 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 you know, thinking processes so that they keep these things at the, at the back of their minds as and when they were rolling out the vaccine program. So. Emanating from this process, we then identified a number of key risks and preventative controls, which we then shared with the National Department's Director General, the DG, as well as some of the key officials. Uh, those key risks and preventative controls were also shared with the executive authority for them to consider. Um, and on the, on the, on the backdrop of, of, the, of those processes, we then went and developed our audit procedures. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, you would uh, understand that from the office of the AG, uh, when we when we uh, are usually tasked with such uh, audits, our main focus will be on wastage or leakage, trying to make sure that uh, you know our attention is focused on on assisting our portfolios out there to prevent instances of leakage and wastage in the process. So 
from our point of view, a lot of focus was then on procurement processes as well as the acquisition processes. And then ultimately the, this was supplemented by the distribution and the logistical arrangements. And ultimately just to make sure from a service delivery point of view that uh, the jabs ended up in the arms of the citizens aligned with the set criteria uh, in, in, in adherence to the criteria that would have been uh, set out by, by the portfolio. So we embarked on the audit process from January up until uh, May is really when a, a lot of our work kicked off all the way up until August. And I'm mentioning this explicitly to the committee just to manage expectations as well, honorable chair, honorable members, because the whole idea of a real-time audit is that you go in quickly and you identify some, some potential gaps or areas of improvement for management. You report those to management so that management then can then go back and implement the necessary remedial action or rectification processes to make sure that uh, subsequent uh, expenditure or subsequent processes are not subject to the same weaknesses and shortcomings. So we then had to agree on a cutoff time. So the cutoff time for the audit at that particular point in time was August. So we did the, the work all the way up until August. Um, and from August onwards, we then embarked on our concluding and evaluating procedures where we evaluated the outcomes of the work that was performed and then ultimately also preparing the report which, will, uh, which was then shared with management. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, it is also important to mention that we did issue a report, but for the purpose of the engagement, it's also important that we mention that that report was not made public. So in other words, there was no media briefing as would ordinarily be the case if we do a public tabling or briefing uh, by the Office of the AG. So there was no tabling um, because of the numerous changes and adjustments that happened as the uh, vaccine program was rolled out but also as, as, as mainly informed by the slow uptake that was then identified and resulting in the slow spending and then also the slow processes within the sector. Um, the findings that, were, that had been identified up until that point in time were therefore shared with management via a special management report. So that report was issued to the Office of the, the, the National DG on the 28th of uh, January on 2022. The reason why... Uh, that was shared only in January and not in November, as was originally planned, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, is because you would recall by the time we were finalizing the report, the DG, who is uh, the incumbent in the position of the accounting officer at the department, the national department, came back from serving his suspension uh, right at the end of November. So he then requested some space and opportunity to engage on the report prior to us finalizing it. So that was duly granted in the national uh, accounting officer then spent the next couple of weeks from end of November to then provide us with whatever additional information uh, in response to some of the findings that may have been raised and also applying himself in terms of the, the report and some of the key messages. Um, and bearing in mind the December breaks, we were then uh, only able to finalize the report and issue it uh, towards the end of January. That's just a bit of context to explain the, the, the long time span from, from August 2021 when we cut off our audit work that we had intended to issue the report in November, but ultimately only issued it to uh, uh, management in, in January. And also the importance of mentioning that it was a special management report. So therefore the report was issued to management, but we did engage the minister on it. And the minister indicated that um, should any party be interested in the report, they can request it from the department and we, that we can also share it in terms of the portfolio committee session because we are all aware that the portfolio committee sessions are public sessions 
And therefore, even though the findings may have been shared with management, it therefore means that they then therefore become public once we then engage the portfolio committee in a public platform such as that of today. Then, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, I'm going to cut off uh, my intro by saying the report uh, was subject to the normal um, office of the AEG quality assurance processes. Uh, we, it was subject to the normal rules of engagement. We had extensive engagements with management, including the accounting officer, both accounting officers, because we had to deal with an acting accounting officer when we're doing and, and performing the audit work and concluding. And then when we were um, reaching our reporting phase, we then had to re-engage the, the actual accounting officer who then came back from, from serving his suspension. So a lot of robust engagement, so information duly considered. Management did submit some information, a lot of the information was considered in evaluating and concluding on the findings. However, some information that was submitted was more to provide context and give us a view in terms of the difficult circumstances under which management was operating. But again, if it does not address the, the, the information, if it does not address the finding that was raised, uh, we then note the circumstances, but it does not uh, uh, deal away with the finding. The finding still remains as being reported. Uh, where those circumstances were noted, instances were noted, we did indicate as such in our report in terms of the auditor's conclusions. And then, um, Honorable Chair, um, we also flagged certain key risks in, 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 in process gaps for management in the special management report. Um, obviously, because when you are dealing with such projects, you have the liberty to then give them additional insights over and above just the non-compliance findings. So there are some of those findings which are termed actual findings where there was an instance of non-compliance or non-adherence that was identified. But the report also contains other findings where we identified a risk or a gap that we brought to the attention of management and those we ordinarily uh, refer to as observations. So just for the committee not to be uh, alarmed when you see a distinction in our presentation, uh, uh, us mentioning a finding and then us also mentioning an observation. It's just with that background in mind that the finding is where there was actual non-compliance or, or non-adherence to a particular process or policy or legislation. And an observation is where there was a gap or a risk that we still feel was important to bring under the intention of, the attention of uh, management in this regard. Then, Chair, we also want to mention that we appreciate the efforts of management. We understand that it could not have been easy for them to have done their job and then also to engage us in terms of the real-time audit and availing themselves. Um, without further ado, Chair, I'm going to hand over to Mr. Pero Musisinyani, who will then do, deal with the actual presentations for us. Uh, like mentioned earlier, she spent quite a, 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 a limited amount of time on the, on the APP review because of the reasons I outlined earlier on. And then we'll deal with some of the key uh, discussion points on the sector where our focus was, was on, the, on the medical legal claims and the impact it has on the sector's ability to then utilize some of these funds we are paying on the medical legal claims, on, on, on increasing our capacity in terms of service delivery, and then also some key infrastructure findings. As we all know, infrastructure is quite key in, in our ability to deliver render services as a sector. And then we will then ultimately deal with the big uh, 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 presentation, which is the, the findings on the, the vaccine special management report as issues to management. Thank you, Chair. With your permission and indulgence, Tabero, I'm going to hand over to you. Um, thank, thank you so much. Um, um, good morning once again to the Honorable Channel, Honorable Members and the colleagues on the call. Um, I do note that the introduction was a bit long, 
Um, however, I will then start covering the three sets of presentation. Honorable Chair, I'll get guidance from you because I do understand the fact that um, the, the, the three sets of set might end up with me speaking for an hour. But if um, Honorable Chair and other members would want me to stop between specifically maybe the, the, the sector message and the um, vaccine report, um, I will take guidance from you, Honorable Chair. I think let's try to finish it. One hour should be fine. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Um, so as, as, as mentioned by Mr. Skato in the introduction, um, I will not spend time on the um, interim review of the APP for the 2022-23, um, um, because as, as indicated, um, unfortunately, the sector is still busy with some of the review. The presentations that we have shared was only relating to the National Department of Health. So just maybe to remind um, the honorable uh, chair and honorable members is the objective of the APP review. It's really to provide an early warning system where um, we are able to review some of the programs, specifically the ones we deem are important before the APP is finalized. And from that process, we allow management to be able to make any corrections required um, in their uh, uh, APP before it's finalized. So that is mainly the, 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 the process that we follow and we don't actually look at every detail. I think we also want to highlight the fact that we also don't look at the underlying systems of supporting documentation. Our focus is mainly between the APP itself and the um, 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 TID. So for the, for the, for the current uh, periods, one thing that we also want to highlight is the fact that we do not look at the relevancy of the indicators to MTSF as well as the completeness of the indicators um, to cover the MTSF outcomes. So the process that we followed in the current year, under normal circumstances, we focus on one program, but for the, for the National Department of Health, we did look at all the programs, including the APP, but the specific focus was mainly in, um, in program two, which is the one that we have scoped in for the current year audit. There were a number of findings that um, we, we had uh, noted but I think we are, we are really happy to report the fact that the findings were not material and management was able to correct all those findings um, in their APP. So by the time the APP is tabled, they would already taken into account the findings that we have raised. There were a few findings under um, indicators not well-defined, which some of it is just a matter of aligning what is sitting in the technical indicator description and what's sitting on the main APP. And then there were some indicators that are not verifiable. And um, because management was able to correct this on Chair, I will not spend any additional time in this presentation. And I'd want to move to the um, presentation on the sector messages. So as, 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 as Mrs. Kato indicated in the introduction, um, we, we, we presented last year in November the, the, the outcomes of the National Department of Entities, and we really wanted the committee to spend a lot of time looking at and focusing on those outcomes and requested that the sector messages be then tabled later. Um, um, so today we are tabling the sector message, and I would also want to highlight subsequent to our meeting on the 8th of um, December, the, the, the AG tabled a general report, and in the general report they did include um, the sector messages. What we did in the current year, there's a chapter four in the general report, which would encourage the honorable members and honorable chair to look at it, which, which then uh, uh, focus on the key service, on the outcomes of the key service, uh, service delivery departments, which includes health, education, human settlement, uh, uh, just to name a few. So in that chapter, um, the chapter from page 81, there is a chapter that deals with infrastructure because as the office of the AGSA, we actually look at infrastructure in those service delivery departments. We then consolidated all the, uh, um, the, 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 the findings into one chapter. 
from page um, 102, um, we then have the sector message and that, that chapter is specifically talking to the message within the... So the message in the VR is similar to the message that I'll be tabling today. So we started the overall um, um, audit outcomes of the sector as a whole. Um, the message that we are seeing with this with the sector is the fact that the leadership is not implementing recommendations that we have been raising over the years, which is then uh, leading to a lack of improvement in the overall audit outcomes. If you look at the top left, which is the, the, the graphic that shows five years, over the five years, um, the, the sector is fairly uh, stagnant. And specifically, when you look at the 2019-20 and the 2020-2021, um, financial years. Even the fact that, um, um, despite the fact that Northwest did improve uh, from 2021, there was a regression in Limpopo, and then that left the sector remaining stagnant. And from our side, I think the message that we are saying is there is there is really no movement within the sector, and it, this is this is attributed to the fact that the leadership is not implementing the recommendations that we've been uh, giving them over the years. Um, what we really also want to commend the, the Houting, Mpumalanga, Northwest and Western Cape that for submitting financial statements that were through of material misstatement. And this from the sector, it's really a very good milestone for them to achieve. So our messages to those provinces was that they need to ensure that they continue implementing the controls to, to ensure that they maintain the outcome. And at as the, as, as the same time, also share the controls that they've been implementing with the rest of the sector to get the rest of the sector into a position where the financial statement that they submit for audit are free of material misstatements. Of concern, honorable chair, honorable members, this morning, what we are noting the, 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 the provinces of Kaiseran and Northern Cape. Um, if you look at the graphic, over the five years, uh, those two provinces has remained the same in the qualified category. And when we were really unpacking and engaging um, 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 with, the, with, with the provinces, we actually noted the fact that in those two provinces specifically, there were, there were two critical posts that have been in, uh, 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 vacant for the past five years. With the Northern Cape is the HOD, the position really has been has been vacant and they have been uh, they've been appointing acting um, 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 officials and, and with Kesaran is the CFO post. So when you look at the fact that these two vacancies coincide with the outcome that we see today, we were able to then uh, conclude that their two vacancies are directly contributing to the fact that the two provinces are not moving. So that's the message that we then gave to them to the sector. At the bottom of the slides, um, we are then focusing on the outcomes of the audit of the predetermined objectives. I think one thing that I want to highlight to the committee this morning is um, at the bottom left, uh, 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 there is a graphic that shows the audit outcomes. I also want to sort of bring context to the audit outcomes that we see today. So currently, the Office of the AGSA does not issue an opinion um, on, the, on the annual performance reports. However, the picture that we see is, is to say, should the AGSA start issuing audit opinion, this is the picture that we're going to see. So in, the, in all these provinces that we see today, um, we're seeing a lot, of, a lot of disclaimers, which means that there's a lot of limitations that we are seeing throughout the program the sector. And one thing we really want to highlight is the audit, the program that the sector had selected in this area was program two, which is district health service. And according to our understanding, this is one of the core programs of the sector. So the message that we are really saying is we are concerned as the office of AGSA that um, there's been a number of limitations noted um, in this program to the, to the point that we are unable to, to confirm whether the, 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 the targets achieved that are being reported are, are whether they're reliable or not. So the message to the sector is to say they need to really work on their 
um, um, processes around the record keeping. We noted that the main root cause in this program is record keeping. Uh, and one of the basic um, um, findings we're raising is the reconciliation, where for them to be able to report in the annual performance reports, they need to be reconciliation between the source documents and the various registers that they have within the facilities to the actual system. So, so, so if that basic reconciliation, that, that it's, it's not working correctly, this then is resulting in the limitations that we are then reporting today. Uh, um, so for us, we then also highlighted the impact of, of, of not being able to then have credible performance data, because this is the data that the sector utilizes for decision-making purposes. So, so when, if you look at the, um, 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 uh, uh, the chapter four in the GR, we did unpack the, 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 uh, with an example of what this means to the sector. So, so from my side, I think the message that we have in this section is to say, um, because of the, of the lack of implementation of our recommendations, the sector is not um, improving audit outcomes. The next section that um, we are going to focus on was the section around the, the compliance. And, the, and, and the, we are still raising concerns um, regarding the increase in the unauthorized, irregular and fruitless and wasteful uh, expenditure within the sector. And this is really due to the fact that the, the, the sector is not complying to the set um, laws and regulations issued, issued by National Treasury. And what I want to highlight first is the unauthorized expenditure. And unauthorized expenditure, we note that Eastern Cape is the biggest contributor to unauthorized expenditure in the current year and also compared to the prior and the, the impact that came from Eastern Cape is the fact that they had unauthorized expenditure relating to the medical legal claims. Um, you would also pick up in the, in, the, in the general report, we did indicate the fact that in the prior year, Eastern Cape had to pay medical legal claims from the existing budget, from the existing budget because they had not budgeted for medical legal claims. Um, um, Eastern Cape is one of the uh, um, provinces that really contributed significantly to the payment of the medical legal claims. Um, the, then when you look at the irregular expenditure and the fruitless and wasteful, the biggest contributing uh, province become um, um, counting. And the, and, the, and the biggest uh, um, transactions that resulted in this were transactions resulted in the non-compliance around the PPE. The committee will, 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 will recall that last year when we were tabling or the year before we tabled the special report one, there were a number of findings around PPE that were reported within the Gauteng, um Department of Health. So even when you look at the picture within the sector, they are actually the ones that have the biggest contributing factor. So the message here is the fact that because we are seeing an increase over the years, there seems to be a lack of implementation of consequence management within the sector. And the lack of implementation of, of the consequence management is resulting in a situation where if the perpetrators are not held accountable, the, 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 the habit continues of the officials not complying with them laws and regulation. So, so the, the message we then send to the sector is to say they need to really start holding accountable the different officials that are involved in the uh, non-compliance with laws and regulation. Another focus area, as uh, um, indicated earlier by Mr. Sketo, was, was the current pressure in the health sector. And I think this also is the area that um, the committee members would have seen in the media with the different reports relating to the financial difficulties that um, the sector is going through. From our side as the Office of AGSA, we are also very concerned with the current um, um, financial uh, situations that the, the department is faced with. And we do understand the fact that when the, when the pandemic um, 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 came, the department had to re readjust and realign some of the activities to do the pandemic. However, this really did put pressure on the already um, 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 financial health um, um, situation that was under pressure. 
So what we are showing on the top left of the slide is the appropriation that was set for the 2021-22. And this appropriation excludes the, the, the payments for compensation of employees as well as transfers. Because this is mainly appropriation for goods and services and expenditure for capital assets, which is really the, the, the core of the service delivery. So in the 21-22 year, there was a total of 88 billion that was already appropriated to the sector. However, as at the year end of the one March 2021, already um, 15 billion of that 20, uh, 88 billion was already committed to accruals. So which means the fact that as at year end, um, the department had already received um, 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 goods and services or that were equating to 15 billion and they had not paid it. So that meant that 17% of the next year appropriation was already committed. This then, places, this then places challenges to the sector to then deliver the service because they're already starting the year with 17% uh, um, less of the amount that they're supposed to, to utilize for service delivery. Um, the last block then shows that the current claims against the department, the biggest contributing, uh, contributing to the um, claims is the medical legal claims. So these claims have not yet materialized. So the picture we're trying to show is to say, should all these claims materialize, they, they, uh, it's really going to put the sector in a position where they will not be able to render the services. So that's the message that we are then saying to say the sector really needs to work around processes of dealing with the current medical legal claims within the system. I think a case in point that we also had was, for example, in Eastern Cape, where in the prior year, they, they paid about 900 million only to medical legal claims. And that's money that was originally earmarked for service delivery now going to medical legal claims. In the whole sector in total, they paid 1.7 billion. So from us, we are raising it as an alert to say the current medical legal claim situation that is currently in the sector is having an impact on the already strained budget that um, was sitting in the sector. And the impact of this strain, we're starting to see it even in some of the infrastructure projects that the, the sector is currently uh, 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 working on. For example, you find a situation where a facility has been successfully completed and commissioned, but they cannot necessarily utilize the facility because they don't have the budget for personnel. So what we're saying is that there's now a spillover effect of the pressure towards um, um, the current uh, system. So what we're also in indicating in this um, 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 slide is also the material irregularities because with this loss, um, some of this loss resulted in us reporting material irregularities within the sector. So for the 2020-21, we, we identified um, 33 instances of material irregularities and at the point of reporting at the 31st of March 2021, we had confirmed 15 um, the, of those material irregularities. The table at the bottom right um, unpacks the 15 um, um, MIs that we have reported. And I think of note, if, if, if just recall or remind the committee on the fact that when there's material regulations, because there's then a, a likely loss or already loss that has occurred, and we are then reporting 94 million, that is of the loss that has already, that already um, occurred within the sector. When we look at, when we unpack the 94 million of the loss, there is a, a big chunk that then relates to the, interest that the sector is being charged by the suppliers. So because of the existing challenges within them, um, the, with the finances, they are unable to then settle the, the invoices on time. And those service providers are starting to then charge interest on the sector, which is further um, aggravating the situation under financial health. The other impact that we saw is in infrastructure, where because they can't settle um, some of the invoices for the contractors, the, the, some of these projects are then suspended. However, because the the, 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 some of these machines were actually committed to the project. They are then started. They are then being charged standing time for all those um, or, or equipment. So what we are saying is, 
the current situation, um, financial situation of the sector really requires an immediate action by the sector so that the sector is able to continue rendering services and uh, meeting their mandate. The last slide under the sector messages is just unpicking the infrastructure assets. As indicated earlier in chapter four of the GR, there is um, um, a report around the infrastructure assets. And in there, there is a, a good examples that we've also included that impacts the health um, sector. So infrastructure is one of the focus areas that we've been um, looking at over the years, and we've been reporting to this committee on the outcomes. So for the year 2020-2021, there were 23 projects that we selected across the, the, the provinces. And then the main findings that came through have been categorized into three, three areas. We have findings relating to time. And under time, this really talks to the significant delays that are being experienced um, with finalizing this project. And I think if you go to the to the GR, there's, a, there's an example we then gave of Pilonomi, which I think that the, the hospital has, has been um, um, taking four years for them to complete. And the impact of these uh, projects not taking, not finalizing is because now the service deliver, the, the, the citizens themselves are forced to go to look for other facilities that may be actually further away from the place and residence just to get service delivery. So the, the contributing factors that we've noted under the delays are mainly due to poor management of milestones by the department, um, um, poor performance of contractors, and the poor project um, uh, planning by the department. So the message that we then uh, uh, provided to the sector is to say they need to ensure that they improve their monitoring um, activities to ensure that all these projects are then finalized. Another area that um, we're reporting with findings around cost, and mainly um, the contribution of cost is um, um, if there are significant delays, um, they are then costs that they start incurring on the delays in the project. But there's also instances where um, 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 the, the contracts themselves, um, um, there is some uh, some deficiencies in the in the in the work itself. So some of the costs then uh, impacts the uh, is impacted by the build quality that we find that we find on the ground. So 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 then that then escalates. The cost of the project. And um, once again, in the in the in, in the GR, we have a very good examples of a cost of a facility that increased by six one percent because of some of the delays. Um, and under the build qualities, what I've indicated earlier, these are instances where the the contractor um, they have appointed um, um, did not uh, 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 build according to quality, and therefore what that means is either the departments are forced to look for another contractor to come and finish the work, and in those instances, then there's additional cost that are being incurred by the sector to make sure that this, 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 this projects are finalized. So this is the end of my slides around the, the health sector. Um, I'm gonna go quickly jump into the vaccine uh, 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 work that we did. So when we then move into the vaccines, I think um, um, Mrs. Keto really has really set the tone around the, the work that we have done. So based on the work that we have done in the value chain, we, we, we chose specific focus areas that we are going to focus on. And for each focus area, we determine what kind of messages we would want to give to the sector or to management at the end of the project. So the, the, the slides that I'm going to be presenting are, are set according to the specific section of the value chain. And we cover where we start with the message that we wanted to give. We then focus on the observations of findings and the conclusion in that specific focus area. So the first focus area that I'm going to look at is the planning. And in the planning, when we were looking at the value chain, we really wanted to, 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 to assess whether the department um, um, developed and implemented adequate plans 
um, for the implementation of the rollout and whether government as a whole um, has established uh, um, um, different uh, structures that will allow for efficient communication within the different spheres of government. So the work that we done was mainly looking at the policies and procedures that have been um, established. Our observations in this area was the fact that there was planning documents that were developed and implemented. Um, there were also structures that were established that were assisting with the coordinations and there was a lot of guidance that were provided to the sites. Um, um, so, it's, so, so we are acknowledging the fact that there were some teething challenges with the planning. However, one thing that we actually observed was that the department was able to quickly amend or change the plan to align to the changes um, that was then taking place. I think a case in point that we are highlighting here is the challenges that they had with the AstraZeneca, where at the point AstraZeneca was then received, um, it was then uh, concluded that it's not, it's not suitable for the Delta, then Delta variant. And we really do, do commend managing for, for being able able to swiftly resell the AstraZeneca to ensure that there's not losses. So, uh, and also then uh, um, introduce the system program. So in the planning area, our observation is that management really, um, um, they did put in place um, 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 policy and procedures and they did leverage in their current uh, policy and procedures with the current vaccination program within the sector. And in instances where they were changing, management were able to, to then quickly amend their plans to suit the situation. Um, another area that we then focus on from the vaccine uh, point of view was the funding and the goods receipt section. In the funding, we really wanted to assess that um, there was sufficient budget available um, that was made by the National Treasury to ensure that the vaccines and the related services are procured and the fact that all monies that have been spent on the vaccines and, and sold to private sectors, are actually then the monies are, is recouped. In this area, um, unfortunately, because of the of the, some of the process that are not yet implemented, we were not able to focus on the recruitment or the reinvestment. We have then um, postponed that focus area into the normal audit that is currently underway. So that focus area, the team on the ground is following up to see the processes that management has implemented um, around the recruitment of the vaccines. Another focus area that we then looked at around goods and services, we really wanted to assess whether goods and services that were procured and paid were actually received and the fact that appropriate vaccines um, um, were actually received. Our observations in this area, if I start with the finding, was the fact that there was, as at the 31st of August, we were able to confirm that there was 12.93 billion that has been allocated. I think one thing I want to say about the budget is we do know the fact that over the allocation at national level, the provinces themselves were reprioritizing some of the funds to make sure that they are able to to implement the vaccine rollout. So our conclusion in that area was that there was sufficient budget at the time for, 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 for the rollout. Um, under goods and services, what we actually observe is that as of 31st of August, 80% of the doses committed by Pfizer were, were, were received as opposed to 30% of those that were uh, um, committed by Johnson & Johnson. So from our side, we then raised a, a remaining risk to the department to say, um, um, the first risk is because this contract that were signed, were signed with international service providers with foreign currency. Um, the, the management needs to be aware that there is a possibility with the fluctuation of the exchange rate, there's a possibility that they might actually spend more than what they originally budgeted for those contracts. So from our side, we raise a risk to say they need to monitor and already get some guidance from Treasury on how to then deal with the situation where they are ending spending more than the budget because of the exchange rate differences. Another um, risk that we then raised with them was the fact that they need to monitor Johnson Johnson COVAX to ensure that they, they do deliver um, as, as, as committed. Our conclusion in this area, um, as I said before, was that there was sufficient budget at the time um, for the vaccine rollout. And we also then highlighted the fact that they need to make sure that 
they, um, they, they monitor the, the, the service providers so that they then um, 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 uh, render the, the, the services committed. Another area that we focused on was in the procurement. And the main focus for this procurement was to, was to ensure the fact that procurement for vaccines and related services was in line with the applicable laws and regulations. And the fact that all contracts were effectively managed to ensure that goods and services that were paid for have been received and, and to also ensure that they are actually monitoring, monitoring the performance of the supplier. The, the, the last two uh, focus areas I've already addressed in the previous slides, as we observed with the um, um, delivery of the vaccines. Um, so the rest of the slides will then deal with the procurement. So for the procurement, we, we, we mainly focused on the National Department of Health because they are the ones that were responsible for procuring the vaccine. If the committee members will recall, the approach that the Department of Health had implemented was to say um, they would then um, um, they, they obtained um, um, de approval deviation from National Treasury to procure the, the, the vaccines. And then initially they had also a deviation for the logistics. However, um, after a while, they then issued a tender for the logistics. So the findings that we are taking today are for both the, the, the transactions. So when we look at the deviation for the procurement of vaccines themselves, under the findings, um, we, are, we are raising possible non-compliance that we noted. And this is non-compliance relating to tax matters and interest, declaration of interest matters that we noted with the um, international service providers, which was um, the COVAX and the, and the Pfizer. Um, when we move to the findings relating to the logistics, um, the three bullets under the findings uh, were specifically for that. So with, when they then um, took out the tender on logistics, what we noted is they did not include a subcontracting criteria as required by, 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 the, by the regulation so to ensure the fact that, um, or to provide guidance to the bidders on how the subcontracting would then be dealt with. So when we then inspected the tenders, we realized that they, that criteria was not included, which then resulted in the bidders um, um, using their own judgment on subcontracting. The other focus, a finding that we noted was around the functionality criteria that was then included. Um, the functionality was not clearly defined to indicate, for example, what a one mean or two mean. And that the, the, the assessment was then left to the, to the evaluators themselves to, al to allocate the different um, 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 uh, functionality criteria. Um, another point that we then raise is around the evidence around the, the, the issuing of the awarding of the contract. So in the original tender, they had intended to award the, the, the contract to one service provider and they already included a criteria that indicated that should the, 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 uh, the winning bidder not able to deliver, um, they, they reserve the right to then award um, um, the, 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 the bid to the, to the second or the, the, the second highest um, um, scoring bidder. Um, unfortunately, due to the different changes, the management then decided to actually um, um, award the bid to more than one suppliers on our side. Um, we were then requesting evidence on the thought process behind them making the decision. And at the time of the report, um, um, the evidence was not provided to us. When we move to the observations, as indicated by Mr. Sikato, observations are usually areas where we are saying it's not necessarily non-adherence, but there are also possible risks that management should be aware of. The first area was around price negotiations because they then awarded the, the, the bid to two um, 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 uh, service providers. We noted that um, the second highest scoring bidder um, um, had a, a price significantly higher than the winning bidder. So what we're raising to say um, there was a, 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 a opportunity 
opportunity for them to negotiate the price with the second highest bidder to reduce the prices. Another area that we then highlighted was the inconsistency of scoring of the functionality. And this is linked to the finding we raised around the subjective functionality. So because the, the, the functionality scoring was very subjective, there was some instant inconsistencies we noted with the BEC that we felt that the adjudication committee should have picked it up and addressed it accordingly. The last area on observation was around um, the possible collusive bidding. In one of our tests that we do, we actually assess um, the, the we also assess the interest of the directors. So what we noted is there are some directors in the in the different bidders that are actually related, and and, and then we raise a fact that there could have been possible collusive bidding, and the department did not actually pick it up. So we then said that management must go back and look at the possible collusive bidding that could have. Um, Second place. So the conclusion in this in this area is, is, is really to say when we tabled the, uh, the outcomes in November, we did highlight the fact that there is still some gaps we identified with the procurement in the National Department of Health, where the end users are involved um, with the procurement without or with limited um, 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 assistance from the SCM units. The the, the 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 root causes or the findings that we're noting in this. In this presentation, it's similar to the same root cause where the department on um, the unit of for affordable medicines was the one that was responsible for the procurement. And I think due to the uh, limited knowledge within the unit, some of the criteria were not necessarily met, resulting in the findings that we are seeing today. So the recommendation that we raised with the, with the department and, and we also shared with the committee in October is the same recommendation to them to say um, the national government needs to really ensure that supply chain management processes are done by the supply chain management unit itself. So the other area, the final area that we looked at was around the implementation of the vaccine rollout itself. And in these areas, we are going to look at two parts. The first part is the administering of the vaccine itself. And the second part, we are going to look at the data capturing and the reporting. So in this slide, um, I'm going to cover the, um, uh, the, the administering of the vaccine. And the next slide will then cover the, the, the data capturing and reporting. So the message, the plan message that we had was to look at the fact that um, the vaccine rollout was implemented as planned as the planning that I indicated earlier, and as well as the fact that the government implemented reliable technological tools that supported efficient rollout. Um, so what we observed in this area um, is, 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 is the fact that there were areas that went well in areas of improvement. Um, our, our colleagues um, from the performance audit unit together with our colleagues from the information system auditors, they then visited about 45 sites across the province, and then they then um, looked at specific processes that has been implemented on the vaccination sites themselves. The one thing that I also want to highlight in the areas that worked well, we're not necessarily saying all 45 vaccine sites were had implemented, but a majority of those sites actually had implemented um, the processes. Um, so in the areas that worked well, for example, we noted that there was sufficient infrastructure, equipment, um, dedicated human resource and vaccine supply in those um, in those vaccination sites that we visited. And another note that we saw with the vaccine supply itself, we did an overall assessment on how the vaccine supply was allocated across the provinces. And when we look at the allocation, we actually realized that it was fairly aligned to the populations within the specific provinces, which then says the department really uh, planned well in how they are going to allocate the different vaccine supplies to the provinces. The areas of improvement that we highlighted um, um, was for, uh, the shortage of ICT equipment and poor connectivity. And this, the committee would recall that over the years, we've been reporting on, on control deficiencies around IT. Unfortunately, even in this time of vaccine rollout, those control deficiencies were coming through. 
Um, we also um, noted that, that the areas of improvement around the storage conditions and practices where the facilities were not adhering to the prescribed um, to the prescripts issued by the national department or the provincial department. This is also aligned to the findings that we've been raising over the years around storage uh, conditions and practices. We also then uh, um, 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 note the, 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 the um, areas of improvement around the stock management itself um, of the vaccines when it was at the facilities that the, 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 the movement of the stock was not necessarily being tracked um, effectively in some of the sites, which then exposes the program to possible losses. Um, and, and some of the challenges were because of the stock visible system that they've implemented where due to connectivity, um, the, the, the officials could not then update the system. We also highlighted um, challenges around the, um, the used vaccine vials um, that were not defaced on labels. And this is one of the risks that were raised earlier on, even during the Sonke trial, that this then opens um, the sector to a risk of reuse uh, um, where someone can then take the vials and fill it with, with, with water or anything else and try to resell it um, in the market. The area around, then we had an area around data capturing and reporting, which mainly also focused on the EVDS. One thing that we really want to commend the department of, even though there were some teething problems initially with the EVDS, but as our information system auditors were working with them and raising the findings, management was, was able to then uh, 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 go and make the necessary changes in the system to avoid um, the necessary risk that we might have identified. So in that end, we really do commend them for, for them being able to swiftly make the, the recommendations that our teams were raising. But just to highlight some of the findings that we noted, there were issues around the, the changes in the systems that were logged manual or not logged on EVDS, which then raises the, 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 the challenges that if you don't know what changes were made on the system, you're not able to see if it's authorized. There were challenges around the back capturers. I think the committee will be aware that there were a lot of reports in the media around the back capturing, um, where, uh, which then impacted the overall reporting by the, by the department. Some manual forms that were being used because of the connectivity issues um, were not completed accurately, which then impacted the information that was then being inputted into the EVDS system as well. And then there were also some manual records that were used for the SVS um, system. So the conclusion in the whole implementation is that we, we do know the fact that there were areas that really worked well um, within the sector with the whole vaccine rollout program. However, there were some areas that really required improvement. And I think in the slide, we are sort of also highlighting these areas that I mentioned earlier, that these areas around storage conditions and practices really links to the findings that we've been reporting um, 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 in the sector. And one of the, if, you, if the committee would recall, um, this is the findings that even in special report one, we're raising around storage conditions of PPE and, um, and, the, and the sanitizers. So we saw the same findings that are coming through where we are saying the sector really need to work on the controls around um, the implementation of the, uh, of the um, 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 prescripts that have already been um, developed by the sector in, with regards to storage conditions and practices. Um, we also now also highlighting also with the, with the with the healthcare waste management. This also links to one of the reports that we, we, we reported a few years ago around the healthcare waste management where we are saying the risk that we raised then, we noticed the fact that they're not necessarily implemented and had and we're seeing the risk of some of the vast not being defaced. Um, I think the same point I raised around the ICT where we are saying we've been raising some of this funding around ICT and our message to the sector is to really go back and ensure that um, um, all these uh, recommendations that have been uh, uh, raised over the years, they're actually implemented within the sector. Um, this is the last of my slides on honorable chair. Um, I'll, I'll hand over to you.
Thank you very much, honorable members. Um, I'm just trying to ascertain uh, Tabelo whether are you completed with all of your presentations? Um, yes, honorable chair. I was able to present all three slides um, presentation at the same time. So the vaccine one was the last one. Thank you very much. Honorable members, so there we've had uh, the presentation from the Auditor General on all three presentations, as I had mentioned in the beginning. And we have a couple of members who want to uh, discuss your presentation with yourselves and raise some questions with you. Um, the first one will be Honorable Munyai because he has a doctor's appointment. Uh, I have to unfortunately put it that like that because he has requested to go first, Honorable Members. Followed by Honorable Wilson, Clark, Van Staden, Ismail, uh, Honorable Dr. Tembakwayo, <coughs> and Honorable Chirwa in that order. I'm going to repeat. Munyai, Wilson, Clark, Van Staden, Ismail, Tembakwayo, Chirwa. Um, please, uh, if you can continue in that order. Thank you very much. I've, I've also noted my hand, Chair. My hand is up. Thank you, Sukacha. Anyone else I had missed? Any other member? So, Honorable Sukacha, you will be the last one in that group. Thank you. Honorable uh, Chair and esteemed Honorable Members, and uh, I think we welcome the report of the AG, and especially with respect to the intervention to support the national department and provinces. I must say, Honorable Chair, uh, I see a lot of disclaimers uh, in Eastern Cape, Free State, Northwest, and KwaZulu-Natal. This is a concerning issue for me uh, with regard to the areas where this unauthorized irregular fruitless and uh, uh, and wasteful expenditure especially where the uh, the ages has been able to intervene to assist the department there have to be consequence management as practical and urgent as possible which means now chairperson we should not wait for the other AGs report next year. Where there are problems that I've raised, can we please intervene, allow the executive to intervene in those areas? And we must hold the executive to account to make sure that they really take actions against those that really disregard the law or the piece of legislation and the processes that are put forward by the Treasury in line with the PMFA, PFMA. So therefore, Honorable Chair, it seems, it seems there's a progress in counting, regardless this adverse uh, finding. But the areas where these uh, disclaimers, we must zero in, Chairperson, uh, and attend to those areas. I mean, how do people spend such a lot of money and they don't spend it next to anything to do with the with the vaccine or anything to do with the core health services that is required 
the bed infrastructure need to be attended to. We can't wait for tomorrow. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, Chair, um, sorry to just uh, butt in, but uh, Honorable Wilson said she has a family emergency on the group. Thank you. Honorable Van Stade? I think it's Honorable Clark before me, Chairperson. Honorable Clark? Honorable Clark? Honorable Van Stade? Thank you very much, Chair. Um, yeah, now I have just two questions. I must agree with Member Munyai uh, uh, about the infrastructure problems we have in hospitals currently. We saw currently in the news the problems we have with the hospitals in Gauteng, and that is very concerning, although this committee has numerous times uh, brought visits to the Gauteng hospitals, especially this ones that one is where it is now in the news, the Charlotte Maseke Hospital and with the MFC of Gauteng. I think it was on three occasions or two occasions. And I must say we are, uh, we have said on that stage in that meetings, we need that report and the MFC said they have sent the reports to us, but I must say till today, we haven't seen any of those reports. So that is a bit of concerning. And I think it's, 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 um, it must be, so that the ministry and the executive must start to intervene in the problems we have um, seeing occurring in, in the province of Gauteng. Um, but not only in Gauteng. Gauteng is now in the news because of the very big problems of infrastructure and other, other crowding hospitals and so forth and so forth. But we know what the standard is of hospitals across the country and, and it's, it's a matter that needs to be addressed. Chairperson, on the on the slide ten, according uh, uh, around the infrastructure, I've asked the minister a written question. Maybe the AG can help me on this one. Uh, a month ago, and uh, my question to him was um, whether what the total number of state hospitals were that were um, uh, built or um, replaced uh, in the period from ninety four to two thousand and twenty one. And his answer to me was. To me was that 34 hospitals were, were new or replaced during that period. Now I just want to know from the AG in your view were there any infrastructure work done in or on these hospitals that you are reporting to us today? Um, but that's my question on that. And on the question of the, on the vaccines, I just want to get the view of the Auditor General. But I think these questions I'm addressing now, we need to address that with an urgent basis on the, with the department as well as, as, as the office of the minister of the minister himself. Regarding the, the vaccines, on, on March the 4th, it was reported in the media that the government was worried that they would have to destroy 100,000 doses of vaccines because of its expiry date by the 31st of March this, this year. Now, the Minister of Health has also indicated that even more vaccines will expire and have to be destroyed by June and July this year. Um, and I saw you, 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 you speak at slides five and six of possible overspending due to unforeseen impact of, of exchange rate differences and price negotiations were not performed, et cetera, et cetera. Now, did this not happen 
because the government's planning around the vaccines was not to be desired. And what is, in your view, the government doing now to see to it that the money paid for these millions of doses of Pfizer vaccines is not flushed down the drain? I hope you can, if the IG can provide me with answers. Otherwise, chairperson, we must um, raise the same questions to the department and the minister as well. Thank you very much. Chairperson, I am available. Sorry, um, I was just uh, taking a message from Honourable Wilson about her family emergency that she had to deal with. Can I go ahead? Yes, let us also wish uh, Honourable Wilson well uh, as she's dealing with this emergency. And I'm not going to name the challenge that she is having now on this platform. But we wish her and the family well. Please go ahead, Honourable Clark. Thank you so much, Chairperson. Uh, I have been partly covered with some of the questions. Um, but, you know, Chairperson, in my view, you know, uh, provinces like KZN and the Northern Cape, you know, we must, uh, we as a committee must insist that these departments appear in front of the committee because they do not comply to the AG's recommendations year on year. And I must um, say to you, I've done a couple of oversight visits now in the last couple of weeks on the ground. And, and, and what I do discover is working conditions, shortage of staff, the ability of management to advise and, for, and for, you know, advertise and full funded posts, systems in terms of record keeping on old manual filing systems are chaotic. And these are the sort of critical issues that the AG has also mentioned in his report. So, you know, um, uh, we live in, a, live in a world with smart technology, and I think we really need to be moving into that era when it comes to, um, when it comes to record keeping and so forth. And then, of course, the unexpenditure um, that we see in the irregular, um, you know, the unauthorized expenditure and irregular expenditure, especially in Gauteng. You know, the, these guys must come to the committee and come account. For, for, for these issues, year in and year out, the AG um, recommends this and no consequence management is put in, ignored, wasteful expenditure need to be dealt with in terms of consequences and what steps have been put in place to deal with this continues in year and year out, and obviously they need to come and give us a plan how they're going to mitigate this kind of behavior. You know, um, and then with the accruals Yes? Clark, we are struggling to hear you. Um, I, I gave you a chance because I think in between, I'm sure the representatives of the AG can understand what you're asking. But let's give it another chance now from accruals today. See if it's okay. Um, just, can you hear me better now, Chairperson? It's a bit better. Thank you. Yeah. Um, then also, you know, in terms of the accruals and uh, and um, and in, in particularly the medical claims. I would like to know whether the medical claims form part of the annual budget of the health budget. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of having to pay out these mil millions and millions of rands, 
I also would like to know that if the lawyers that are appointed by the state that deal with these claims, is there a certain criteria set out to them by the uh, law society in terms of what they're allowed to charge and what they're not allowed to charge? Because it seems like these costs are being incredibly inflated. And I'm sure, you know, in terms of the the law society, there must be a guideline as to say this is what you're allowed to charge and this is what you're not allowed to charge. And then in terms of contractors that are awarded, I mean, in terms of infrastructure, are there no um, uh, um, um, performance uh, uh, indicators within these uh, contracts where if contractors do not perform, they are not paid, they are slapped with hefty penalties because they do not comply with the contract in the specific time frame. Do we not um, uh, check to see whether our contractors that we are using are blacklisted? Are they screened before they are appointed? Because I can tell you, we have a construction company for 35 years. And if we qualify for contract, if we don't perform within the requirement agreements within that contract, we are slapped with penalties for that. You know, we're not kicked off site and then you will spend millions to redo the contract. We are screened and verified and, and penalties are imposed on us. And does that not happen to our contractors that, that build our infrastructure within government? Thank you, Chairperson. Um, good morning, Chair, and good morning to everybody. Um, thank you for your presentation to the AG. Um, while I've been partly covered by my colleagues, um, you know, I just want to highlight a few other issues. One is that I don't see any report on the no-fault compensation fund. Now, you know, this is uh, something that should have been somewhere, you know, uh, included in the report of vaccines, because we know that residents, you know, the communities out there actually don't know how to access these. And, um, you know, we, we're not getting a full report from the, the minister and the department on this as well. I was hoping that we would see something of this included in, you know, your report. Um, the issues of, uh, you know, infrastructure and, uh, oh, the, you know, the terrible effect it's having on service delivery. I think, yeah, uh, as my colleague stated, you know, it's not only the infrastructure in Gauteng, it's all over the country. But um, obviously, we're also looking at, uh, you know, shortage of beds, a shortage of uh, staff. And I think these are critical issues that, you know, uh, some way, you know, we need to have come, some consequence management to say leadership mistake uh, be taken to task to say, you know what, the reality is the impact is on the ground. And uh, by just having, um, you know, reports and um, saying this must be done or that must be done, but there's no proper consequence management on the ground to ensure that is, you know, these are overcome so that we have effective service delivery is something that we need to really highlight and escalate to a large extent. Um, now, the issue on the EVDS system and, you know, with proper steps regarding, um, you know, vaccine rollouts and, uh, you know, the amount of people that have been vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the issues of the EVDS system has been uh, plentiful, if I can put it that way. I was inundated by, you know, uh, with calls and emails, et cetera, to say, you know, we've done our, uh, our initial, uh, you know, vaccinations. We did the second, we even did a third. A booster, but um, now that we, you know, we're having an issue because when we are, we're, we're getting our certificates, everything is not actually registered on there. And this has had, uh, you know, a major impact overall on uh, quite a lot of people that actually needed to access, uh, you know, into the country or out of the country. And I'm just worried, you know, that this whole statistics that we are looking at is actually, you know, incorrect. I mean, we've seen um, 
daily states coming in and then after a week or so we say you know what due to a backlog suddenly you know this is a difference in the states so i'm really really worried about our you know our our statistics you know and the fact that i know you stated there that you've highlighted these things to the to the department and certain things have been corrected but i'm just not sure how or to what extent these have actually been corrected you know if it's not where um you know a certain person reaches out to any one of us as members of parliament and we then highlight to the national department uh they are actually stranded because they don't know what to do because of the you know the the requirements at that particular time for compliance matters to enter the country or exit the country now my third issue is that um i note uh you know a, a report from you on the vaccines and um I I haven't seen anything in the report that says um any money spent or any money is wasted on awareness campaigns when it came to you know um uh, uh uh vaccines and you know the issues around vaccines and you know the need to vaccinate you know these empowerment um programs that we actually uh had in place you know we had vaccine education uh campaigns and uh, awareness programs but um the fact is that so much of this money has actually been um uh, stolen or, or allegations of theft especially with the digital vibes uh, issue and uh, you know there's been no mention of this so i just wanted your view on that now you know we we i've seen your report and you've stated clearly those that has adverse findings etc now i know you as the ag you know uh, as department say you know you you provide recommendations to the department you know to 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 address these issues but really there must be some consequence management strategies in place for leadership to effect the necessary changes now i know you'll see with the oversight portfolio committee and we should be holding the you know um the executive to account but from you as the you know the hs department i mean really this can't be going on for more than 5 years there must be some tool that can be you know implemented or used to effectively effectively get the change on the ground or effectively get the change from leadership to uh, provinces to make sure that these are actually eliminated in future now um you know i'm also really very worried the fact that you know first of all the estrazeneca was bought um suddenly you know we 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 were told that you know at the tanker is so much of uh, estrazeneca and then we found that you know the expiry dates were soon and we had to then get rid of that as a country and now currently i mean we have 100000 pfizer vaccines that are going to be uh basically you know um reaching its end you know i mean the expiry date is there and this will obviously have major impact on wastage of funds where is these funds could be properly utilized you know elsewhere actually in the health sector i mean if you're just looking at the amount of com service doctors and nurses that are being laid off right now when we actually meeting with you know the different hospitals that our oversight visits they're crying out to say you know what we really need these com service doctors in our normal running of our hospitals and it's really impacting service delivery so um, i won't speak too much on the accruals and medical claims i think uh, my colleague is already touched on it um so thank you chair i think that will be all for me thank you chair person and thank you for the ages presentations i've got few questions the first question every time when the ag presents there are a number of negative issues against the ndoh even today the, the same has been re, uh, repeated specifically with reference to non compliance with the criteria the subcontracting criteria not included 
inadequate evidence provided to support the applications of objective criteria to award contracts to the bidders who did not obtain higher score and amongst others, the inconsistent functionality. What is the AG's recommendation on what should happen to hold the executive accountable with specific reference to NDOH? Please, I think it's high time that something very strict must be recommended here and a turnaround time also be provided to us to say this is what would happen and during this period. And uh, during the presentation, a mention was made of um, the incomplete project handed over to the new contractors to continue with the project, as easy as all that. My question is, what is the, your recommendation for the recovery of the money paid to the previous contractor, because I believe they cannot just it cannot just be a, a swift a change over from one contractor to the second contractor because it has financial uh, implications. What is your recommendations pertaining to accountability and bringing those uh, found guilty of disposing used vials not defaced? or the labels not removed before disposals as prescribed by policies and procedures. And the last one, pertaining to the EVDS shortcomings, what is your recommended turnaround time of the improvement of the system? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, uh, Chairperson, and good morning to everyone. And and the AG, thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I have questions and comments, and if I digress, please allow for that to happen. Um, it's, it's part of my comments as well. Firstly, I want to request from the AG that they, if it's possible to make the report chairperson through you, um, that was compiled and completed in August, that wasn't made public. If it's possible that we get access to it as the portfolio committee, and also how soon this can happen. Um, and secondly, I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy you raised the eminent procedure uh, the department should have followed or should have ideally followed um, in, in, as in the budget aspect, particularly. Uh, part and parcel for in-roller strategies is educating communities. And you, actually, you also capture this, um, maybe not on the exact words, but you capture the issue of education on, on, on why they should take vaccines as part of strategizing to roll out a vaccine program to which the department failed dismally as, as, as vital questions by people were not answered. Um, the relationship between Bill Gates, Johnson & Johnson and our bias in their favor, trials not being correctly termed as trials by the department, um, non-disclosure agreements, issues between Pfizer and our government, um, which, you know, and other issues which, which culminated in subsequently making hesitancy and interest um, and trust in the government, um, you know, an issue. Uh, and, and I appreciate that particular aspect in the presentation as uh, whatever attempts the minister and his department will try to evade accountability on uh, uptake that of vaccines that is not how we had envisioned it will fall squarely on their shoulders. And, and you know, mandates won't necessarily save them from their poor and lazy work in this particular regard. They failed to educate, failed to inform our people all the information and, and willingly kept some of it 
um, with some of these agreements with pharmaceutical companies, you know, with the intent of protecting them and not our people or our integrity. We were bullied to take up and monopolize the same vaccine from Bill Gates who also funds SAPRA, you know, and these matters were raised and are particularly important in this discussion because they are the backdrop of sustained hesitancy um, and a mistrust towards the government, you know, and the executive. Too much inf- misinformation and lack of transparency has dire consequences, as we can see and, and have been able to see every single year with every single report by the AG. Um, number three, the minister and departments are well aware of the situation in the Eastern Cape. This committee already prompted to the minister when he was still deputizing Dr. Zulim Kisa to put the province under administration and make valuable inroads in addressing the crisis that's happening in that province and other provinces as well. You know, there just isn't a political will and or commitment and the minister must actually come to this committee and appraise us on why they refuse to intervene in Eastern Cape after years and years of regression and obviously other Indian issues um, in other provinces that's raised by the AG that have been the case for over five years and some for five years that's absolutely unacceptable you know beyond these issues being sustained it means that they are that is the intention if they're not being resolved when there is capacity to resolve them and their recommendations and their solutions from both the portfolio committee and the ag as well and to the ag i want to know what are these findings that you speak of um I think it was in your first in the first part of your of your presentation on program two that you made regarding the nhi which they were able to resolve um, can you just appraise on those on those particular finding, uh, findings that you speak of? Um, I mean, I think as the portfolio committee, we know that these recommendations are repetitive, repetitive, um, and we 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 get this each and every year. You know, although the age is doing its work, the general populace must accept that the government of the day is willingly choosing to fail, as recommendations and consistent attempts to hold the department accountable falls flat with literally every year. How else? Uh, does the AG, you know, because I think that's my concern now, how else does the AG work to ensure that recommendations are fulfilled by the department? Um, And at the end of the day, you know, the AGSA is the Supreme Audit Institution of South Africa. What other methods um, are you considering to explore in ensuring that your recommendations are implemented? And what are challenges um, in this particular regard? You know, and I know, I know, we work together and, and and all of that, but I want to know like a more tangible way of ensuring like a workable relationship between the AG and the portfolio committee. I think I even said this in the, the previous time when the AG was here. Um, and yeah, the other question, is there an updated version of the rate of delivery by by, by Johnson & Johnson to date? I'm noting in the, the low percentage as, the, as per the presentation, and it's actually concerning. Uh, that this was the case in August last year when issues regarding which countries are prioritized, you know, and the issues of vaccines uh, and accessibility to Africa and all of those issues were actually, uh, you know, confronted in the previous year. I want to know more information, if you have the information, otherwise we'll work with this particular information and and raise it with the minister directly. Um, And I also want to know if there's a view or analysis by the AG on whether the department did or didn't over-procure vaccines. Um, noting the issue of rollout strategies by provinces or that provinces already had their rollout uh, strategies, majority of them were not even, even able to, you know, live up to those uh, strategies on paper. You know, the capacity to carry throughout the vaccination program was, was there a relationship between what was procured and what was planned and prepared 
to be administered for, um, you know, noting all the other issues you mentioned, the issue of education, the issue of EVDs, the issue of ICT systems and all of that, um, and, 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 and what else was not done, and the issue of hesitancy and education and prevention and the issue of our primary healthcare facilities, is there a possibility that the department over-procured vaccines and didn't prepare the ground for ensuring that the number of the vaccines that they procured was actually prepared for um, to be rolled out? Um, I'm asking this particular thing because, you know, I know the department, if that is the case, the department is going to be dodgy about this particular thing. Um, and there's already elements of this kind of thing starting to happen, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day in regards to vaccine mandates and stuff like that. And second last question on the ICT crisis. What are the recommendations um, from the AG to address this particular thing? How does it affect the current information system as, as our disposal regarding the numbers we see of vaccination? Um, I'm asking this because we had made a recommendation to the minister when I was still Minister Zulim Kize um, very early 2020, I think in March, on developing region-based and district-based operational systems to deal with the crisis of ICT and information and capturing of information to which the recommendation was not, was not taken up. Um, I want to I also, I think there needs to be more in-depth information on this particular thing of, of ICTs, um, like you had done with the Digital Vibes issue when it was first brought up um, later that very same year. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the AG can give us more information on the issue of procurement, um, you know, uh, of the tendering process. Was it a project um, that was tendered to a particular company? I want to know all those, those, those details um, regarding, especially because there's a crisis of ICT, which means it wasn't capacitated. Um, and if there was a company that was supplying or dealing with the process or the project, I think we'd like to know as the portfolio committee, it would only make sense because you were able to give us information on the issue of digital vice before it was even, you know, an interest of the media when there were other intentions by, by the president. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, let me also... Uh, welcome the report from the AG done by uh, uh, Mr. Sheto and uh, Ms. Tabelo Musinyani. Just a few questions, Chair, from, from, from my side. The first one, it's just a concern that uh, we've got about five provinces that, is, that got a disclaimer of an audit opinion and one adverse. Uh, which is a real concern to me. I'm just interested, Chair, um, um, is there any recommendation that uh, the AGF made in this regard? Because he, the AGF also linked uh, the KZN and the Northern Cape for not appointing a CFO and an HOD respectively. But what is the, and, 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 and that has also affected the number of programs and policies and processes of the department. Is there any recommendation, specific recommendation that the AG has made to hold somebody accountable? Because somebody must have looked at this thing and appointed those uh, key positions and CFO and HOD are very key to a department. The second one, Chair, um, uh, the AG has also mentioned that provinces have not um, uh, concluded that they are APPs. 
is it all provinces or is it specific provinces? And 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 what 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 is the reason for that? And then the third one, Chairperson, is uh, on material irregularities. I just want to check, Chair, does the AG have powers to make criminal recommendations? And if the AG does, is there any criminal recommendation that the AGF made in, 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 in its findings on the national department and, and even uh, the provinces? Then the next one, Chair, on additional amounts on infrastructure. The AG has mentioned um, Pumalanga and the Northern Cape. Um, um, uh, and those are huge amounts that the AGF indicated on additional amounts. Uh, is there any recommendation on consequence management that the AGF made that should be taken? And then my last one, Chair, is on the issue of the disposal of vaccines. Vaccine, uh, is it vials? Yeah, vaccine vials. And the AG has specifically mentioned that there is non-adherence to the prescribed procedures. Uh, and the AG mentioned that that has been done uh, 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 for, it may be done with an intention to reuse those uh, 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 vaccine uh, vials, and that can be uh, also linked to fraudulent intentions. Any recommendations, specific recommendations on criminal action that needs to be taken made by the AG? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honourable Members. There is a follow-up question from Honourable Clark before I allow the, uh, the AG to uh, uh, give any answers to your questions, and I would also raise a few questions. Anyone else who wants to do a follow-up question before I ask my questions or put any points to the AG and allow them to reply? Honourable Clark, you're next, and if there's anyone else, you can indicate now. Only one question each. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I just wanted to know how many appointees were made that did not comply to the price negotiations in terms of the vaccine, aligned to the second highest bidder scorer, and what was the regular expenditure around that? Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Honourable Clark. Uh, H.E., I want to talk about three points, and it speaks to three slides, and it's slides 7, 9, and 10. And the first one speaks on your beat, the, the double R sector messages, the second one on uh, solutions to the accruals, and also on that slide on material irregularities, and slide 10 with regard to infrastructure delivery. So on the, on your on the first one on the B double R sector messages, you would you would be aware that performance indicators are primary concern for us as a portfolio committee on health. Now you've you've spoken about counting uh, for example here, we would get an adverse finding, and also a number of departments would be receiving disclaimers or qualified audits. What are those certification systems which you use in order for you to be to get to an indication such as this? And uh, when one sees these um, 
performance indicators, one also sees there are some provinces who are doing better. For example, uh, in this case, when you mentioned the Western Cape, would you be able to tell us what is different between uh, these different uh, departments and provinces? And then, uh, as I said, on, uh, on the accruals, you know, the question would be always when there is a, a difficulty, one must ask what is the solution and what is the possible solution to the accruals? We keep on uh, talking about it and lamenting about it uh, and it, uh, it just continues to increase. And surely there must be an intervention that would assist in managing the accruals uh, in the provinces. And, uh, and then also on material, material irregularities, where we have seen Northwest having a 35.4 billion rand material irregularities, followed by Free State at 17.8 billion rand and KZN at 13.1 billion rand. Would you be able to give us more details? And if it's too much details, detail for the meeting, you're also very welcome to write to us and also to indicate over how many financial years are we talking about here. And then in slide 10, with regards to infrastructure delivery, uh, you are mentioning uh, poor project management. You're highlighting it, actually. Um, so again, consequence management, and it was raised by another honorable member, I think Honorable Dr. Tembaquayo, about poor project uh, planning um, for the provincial department. Um, so what are those consequences in terms of that? And bearing in mind that additional charges are accrued due to poor workmanship in a number of projects. And then remedial work needs to be done and extra costs are incurred. Uh, now, are those costs claimed back, for example, from the original service provider? And is there a system in place where this can actually be done? And are those contractors who do poor work placed on any form of a blacklist nationally or provincially. And I think uh, these are some of the core things which we need to address as mentioned by the members of the portfolio committee. Thank you very much. I think those are all the points we wanted to raise. I see the hand of Honorable Sukacha. Honorable Sukacha, is that a follow-up question? Yes, so I'm, I'm definitely very sorry, Chair. I'm very sorry to ask after you. Yeah, it's just, just one, because you have just uh, triggered something on my mind, the issue of accruals. Uh, the, this thing, Chair, has been coming for a long time. If you look at the accruals, it's huge amounts of money, uh, more or less in all departments. What, what, what Can the AG just explain to us what might be the problem? Might it be that the, the, the budget of the... Uh, and the allocation of monies to the departments of health is, is it inadequate? Or is it because the department cannot prioritize on their major issues that they are supposed to do? Are they using monies at wrong areas or is their prioritization wrongly and therefore using money at issues that are not their main you know, a function. What what might be the issue of accruals? Because this thing is coming year in, year out, year in, year out, the issue of accruals. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. AG, I'm winding back to you. Thank you very much for your 
information you shared with us and you are also having an insight into the uh, understanding of the members of the portfolio committee and the very important questions which they have raised with you i'm going to hand straight back to you thank you um honorable chairperson honorable members indeed um yeah it is quite a, a lot of questions and we appreciate them uh so we'll try our best to respond um chair uh, with your permission and indulgence, some of the questions, uh, uh, you know, entail cross-cutting or overarching concepts. So as I'll answer them, I hope that I'll address uh, maybe some of the direct questions uh, via talking and explaining the, the overall um, concept uh, to address the issue. Um, and then uh, where I may not have covered a particular question, I will then be assisted by Mr. Tabero Musisiani, who will just uh, maybe cover if there, if there are any gaps in this regard. And members must also please feel free to uh, have any follow-ups in case maybe we may have missed uh, a, a question or maybe an input, uh, because some of the other, uh, you know, deliberations were also more inputs and comments rather than questions. Okay, Chen, so I'll start with, maybe let's start with the, the issue of, of accruals, Chen. Um, so on the issue of accruals, Chen, Honourable Chen, Honourable Members, would you call that uh, a couple of years ago, the office of the AG started focusing on, uh, you know, when we come to parliament, we had a couple of slides that we show what our areas of focus would be. So we'd say we're focusing on the status of or the quality of financial statements, the quality of the performance reports, supply chain management, obviously, because we spend a lot of money as government to get uh, things done. And then one of the focus areas was on financial health. So under financial health, what we then did as the Office of the AG, even though it's not, for example, maybe compliance driven um, to say you need to get three quotations like supply chain management and, oh, you didn't get the three quotations. We still deemed it important to come and brief um, those charged with uh, governance and oversight such as yourselves with the information. So, Honorable Chair, you would recall a couple of years ago, I think it's about three or four years ago, we also did for the members who have been on the committee for a while, um, we, we, we briefed the portfolio committee on the status of the financial health of the sector. And I know we specifically raised some concerns on, on the Gauteng department. So ours was to raise um, awareness and create and plan that seed to say there are certain problems that we're identifying here. The problems, even though there's no non-compliance, but it does stem with the ability of the institution to properly use this budget for what it had asked the budget to be used for, um, because we're sitting with all these high amounts of, of, of um, uh, accruals. So what accruals basically means, um, honorable general members, if you'll indulge me, is by the time the financial year ends, which is the 31st of March, that particular department would have continued to have engaged in activities with its service providers, receiving services and goods, but not paying them. And by the time you get to the year end, you have consumed your budget, so you don't have physical cash to pay them. So you don't show it as an expense because uh, the departments work on a cash basis of accounting. So which means they only record these things in their books once they part with the physical cash. So because they haven't parted with the cash, but the service provider was delivering the services and rendering the service and, and delivering the goods, you still effectively owe them. So by the time you get the next year's allocation, which is your budget uh, uh, that you've uh, now asked from, from the legislature or, or the National Assembly, so that you can go and implement what you would have then committed to go and implement in the subsequent year, you first have to start off by paying these service providers uh, in this regard. Like Tabero was explaining, that 17%, you remember on one of the slides, she's saying, 
you've already chowed into your next year's budget allocation before the budget year even commences. So in this particular instance, I think Honorable Sokacha also asked the, the question, um, is it a, a, a question of in a, inadequate or, 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 or insufficient budget processes or budget allocation, or is it the issue of, of, of not being able to prioritize? Honorable Chan, fortunately, and this is just an overall arcing comment, what we found is that some of the institutions embark on other projects where the money is spent elsewhere, or because there was a leakage on a particular project that was not managed well, and now you have to recover this particular project, another project or, or, or program then ends up suffering. So this will bode well with some of the messages and some of the questions some of the members have also asked with regard to infrastructure uh, management and the, and the implementation of infrastructure projects. So that could be a contributing factor to the accrual situation where you had a project, you budgeted 100 rand, and then you run into problems halfway through the project. This person leaves with a, with a 50 rand, but you can't now abandon the project because then the, the loss is bigger. You, you still require the project in order for you to deliver services. So you re-engage the, the services of a different service provider, but that service provider will still require their uh, amount. So you, you, you end up maybe spending 120 on that project. So now that 20 needs to be plugged in from a different gap. So you end up compromising on other projects or other programs. And if that's not arrested, it then snowballs into the effect with the, that we are seeing here today. And, and maybe I was a little bit uh, mischievous, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, because I did mention from the Office of the AG, we have been highlighting these things to the executive to say, look, even though there may not be a, a specific non-compliance, but you're not using your your, your limited resources effectively. And the root cause is you don't have proper project management. You don't have proper consequence management. Had we arrested this thing when it reared its ugly head initially two, three, four, five years ago, then we would not have seen the, the accumulation and the accumulation of the, of the potential effects that we are seeing here today. So it is certainly a, a combination, but it is mostly driven by the implication, the consequences of all the years of all these small projects where we, we don't complete or we pay or we incur the loss here, a fruitless and wasteful expenditure that, that's reported. There's not that's because the money is gone. The, the money is gone. We haven't received anything. Money is paid in vain. And now we still require to go and implement the commitments we've made to at least affect some form of service delivery. So you end up still engaging and proceeding with those commitments from the service providers, but you'll just pay them from next year's budget uh, in this regard. But remember, for the subsequent year's budget, these institutions and departments come to parliament and they actually make commitments for that year in terms of what they promise they will achieve and how much it will cost to achieve those particular commitments made. But already by submitting that plan, you know now as the, as the, as the, as the uh, oversight committee that they have to first deal with, with this particular catch up. So will they really deliver in terms of their commitments? Those are some of the questions that we can ask, um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. Then also further to that, um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, there was also a question related to the same topic um, that, that, that sought to understand whether some of um, our, our, our institutions out there are actually budgeting for uh, these uh, accruals and unauthorized expenditure. So as far as, especially in the medical legal claim environment, as far as we are aware, Chairperson, I'm speaking under correction, but uh, remember it's now information for about 10 institutions that I have to keep in my mind. But uh, my, my, my latest information that I had available seemed to indicate that about eight of the nine provinces did actually budget 
for these uh, uh, claims and uh, uh, you know medical legal claims. So there is a process where they budget, but the fact that you're putting it in your budget, you're basically saying, well, I had a hundred rand available to go and, and implement services, but of the hundred, I'm going to put ten aside because I know I might need to pay claims and have to deal with the claims. And already it chows into it it, 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 it reduces the amount that you have uh, uh, available to go and implement services as as Tabero uh, alluded to earlier on. So Chair, I, like I said, I, I tried to speak to some of the concepts, but now I'll try and go into a little bit more detail on some of the, the more specific questions. So honorable chairperson's question in terms of the course, I hope I've I've tried to answer that. Then on the on the MI um, uh, questions, Chair, we, we, we will certainly provide um, um, Honourable Chairperson with that information. It is quite a bit of information. And because it is also a legal process, Chairperson, we are also a bit wary just to share information. If it doesn't reach certain stages, uh, we'll, we'll just go back and determine. But at least what we can confirm now is that the material irregularity has been raised. So in other words, the accounting officer have been notified or the accounting officers have been notified. Um, uh, at the minimum point uh, in terms of the progress. But remember, just because you've notified them, they also have a right of reply because of it's a legal process that's subject to review. You want to make sure you get it right. So you want to give them with a fair chance of reply so that when they come back, um, they can, you can then evaluate the information. And if they are doing something about it, you can then deal away with the, with the material irregularity. And that'll also uh, deal with some of the questions we were asked in terms of the material irregularity. Um, the hope concept of a material irregularity, Honorable Chair, was to give and, 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 and um, you know, how can I put it, push the accounting, of, uh, the accounting officers to take action where, where there's lack of consequence management. It's really to spur them into action and where they, they've been given the space and the opportunity to take action and they're not doing it, then you issue the material irregularity. So it's really a last resort in terms of the audit process. But when we actually do get to that process, there's still a process for them to come back to us, give us information so that we can address, see, see and assess how well they are addressing the, the, the shortcoming that may have been um, identified. But to answer Chairperson's question more directly, we will get back to Chairperson in terms of what those MIs are and the detail that we can share and we'll, we'll evaluate in terms of what is uh, for public consumption at this point in time and, and, and what is not. Uh, and then we'll, we'll write to Chairperson also in terms of for which years it, it, it relates to in terms of the, 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 the loss that was suffered. Then on that concept of material irregularity, whilst we edit, um, Honourable Chairperson, there was also a very specific and strong view around the, the criminal exploration of the material irregularities. Having given the brief background that I did with regard to material irregularities, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, is remember the material irregularity process was never intended to to arrest people. The Office of the AG cannot arrest people, if I can call it like that, from a criminality point of view. We are auditors. We are accountants by trade and by qualification and by training. However, when we pick up a particular transaction or an instance where we feel there might be more to the transaction, we then um, refer it to the relevant uh, investigative bodies that, uh, that possess the necessary and prerequisite skills to then go and do the necessary investigations to determine if there was an element of, of, of criminality. To that effect, the office, as part of this process, has those uh, arrangements with um, those bodies, such as the public protector, such as the SIU, um, et cetera. So we have referred a number of cases already that we've picked up where you look at the audit evidence and you have identified the non-compliance, you've identified that the state has suffered a loss and you are not satisfied 
with regard to how the situation is being arrested by those accounting officers. And certainly in the various portfolios, those have been referred to the relevant investigative bodies for further uh, investigation to go and determine criminality. Um, Honorable Chair, um, uh, uh, we, we do have that information. If some of the members would be interested, it was shared by um, Zakani in her general general report uh, that was recently uh, tabled as, as as recent as December in in Parliament. Uh, but just just to uh, uh, manage the expectations in in that regard. So then, um, Honourable Chair, there was also something on the from Honourable Sokacha in terms of the APPs. I'm working my way backwards in terms of the list because um, th those are the, the ones that are more recent in terms of the notes that I scribbled down. Um, Honourable Sokacha, maybe just from our side, a point of clarity. Those APPs have been concluded by the department. Um, what Tabero was putting on the table was the fact that the audit work was still in progress. So the audit work, meaning our assessment and evaluation as the audit office of those plans was still ongoing. And uh, we hope that those would, the, the work around it would be concluded by end of uh, March. And as soon as that's then uh, concluded, we will then um, issue um, any outcomes of that work with, uh, we will share it with the portfolio committee um, in our submissions to the, uh, through the honorable chairperson. So it's not that they haven't concluded, the partners haven't concluded, they've concluded their work. It was us as part of the evaluation and evaluating and giving them the feedback in terms of the APP that is still uh, ongoing and, and scheduled to end, end of March. Then there was also an issue, I think uh, 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 honorable Clark um, raised it uh, in terms of the the price negotiations. So, uh, and, and I think there was also a specific question on how many suppliers were involved. So I'll, I'll start off answering that particular question by saying, honorable chair, honorable members, remember when we also embarked on our workers office of the AG, like I mentioned earlier on when we did the intros, ours, ours would be relatively focused on where there's wastage and leakage. And usually that would be linked to financial resources, so at least spending. So that's obviously where our attention and focus will be. And then it will be supplemented by how well a particular project or program is, is then implemented and rolled out. So to give the, the, the background, and the, the reason I'm doing this, uh, giving this background is, remember the, vac the vaccines themselves were subject to two main acquisition processes. The first main acquisition process was with regard to the, the, the actual purchase of the vaccines. So you go to the to whoever supplies the vaccines, you buy the vaccines, now you get the vaccines. So once you secure the vaccines, there's now the second element of saying, now I need to distribute the vaccines and make sure they get to the intended uh, beneficiary in the area in which the beneficiary is located. So those were the two big spending patterns or trends in, in with regard to the vaccine rollout. The first part, honorable chair, honorable members, the actual acquisition. You would recall at some stage when we did the BRRR and, 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 and we, uh, through engagement of, of some of the media reports that the National Treasury played quite a, a big role in assisting and guiding the departments when they were doing the acquisition of, of, of the vaccines. At that particular point in time, honorable, honorable members, and, I, and the department will come in and, and give account for their own uh, affairs as well at some point in time, I'm sure. But the, because of availability issues, the department had to take whatever was available so from a procurement point of view, they engaged the National Treasury, they got the necessary deviations put in place, we evaluated those deviations, and we were satisfied that at that point in time, uh, they 
dealt with emergency circumstances and therefore um, the deviations uh, approved by the National Treasury seem to be reasonable and justifiable and that allowed them to go directly to the suppliers and acquire the vaccines from the suppliers. So from that point of view, from a a wastage and leakage point of view, the risk was then mitigated because of the involvement of the National Treasury and because the department was also able to go and speak directly to those particular suppliers. Then the second part, honorable honorable members, is when the vaccines now arrived uh, on our shores and now they were required to be distributed. So that's, that deals with the logistics aspect of the of this particular program. And I think Tabero tried to sort of allude to it earlier on. However, so a lot of the work that we then did in terms of the procurement findings, a lot of those findings related actually to the processes, the procurement processes of once the, the vaccines had landed on our shores. In terms of the actual procurement process, and it, the detail is contained in the report, which um, just to also answer Honorable Chirwa and the chairperson, uh, we will share since it's a formal uh, parliamentary request, and we also have the distinct blessing of the minister uh, that we will share the, the, the report. We will make it available to the committee through the office of the chairperson as soon as Friday. Um, and then the chairperson and the secretary can make sure that it gets distributed to the members. But the detail that's contained in the in the report, honorable chair, honorable members, there were a couple of service providers because a specialized service that was required. Um, it didn't, it wasn't, they didn't get a lot of, 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 of tender hits, if I can call it like that, bidders that, that participated in the bid. So when we speak about uh, more than one supplier was appointed, there was actually one, and then they appointed an additional supplier. So they explained the department and we, we really understood and, and tried to understand where they were coming from. They explained that they were trying to mitigate the risk of capacity, just to make sure that should they appoint one person and that person doesn't have the adequate capacity given the, the, the need and demand at that point in time, there was a need to roll it out and, and get the vaccine uh, to the citizens in a, in a speedily uh, manner. So they wanted to make sure they were covering all their bases. However, in making that determination and assessment, Honorable Chairperson, you also still need to make sure that it is reasonable and justifiable and it's informed by at least some form of criteria and process. So that if somebody picks up this decision that you've made, it, it's not subject to you being accused of having, uh, uh, you know, uh, acted in a biased manner because it would you would be able to have the criteria and what you evaluated and what you assessed. So, so on the on the basis of the capacity assessment that was purported by management, we did not have that evidence at all given point in time at that time when they took the decision. So that's why we're raising it to say it is a problem for us in this regard, because obviously it may render the process unfair because the person did a tender, they won the bird outright, they scored the highest point, so you should have awarded. Then you say, I'm mitigating a different risk and you then um, um, act differently in terms of, of, of assigning it to an additional uh, a service provider, but the reasons were not always clear. Then um, there were some questions around the infrastructure in terms of what could be done additionally. We've spoken around how the infrastructure then unfolds in the sector, some of the challenges that they face. Um, I think there's also a good story to share here. Tavera will, will, will give a bit more details when she, or she will provide a bit more detail when she also takes the floor. Um, certainly, uh, honorable members, honorable chair, the department and through the accounting officer should really look at recovery processes. It is there, it is allowed in terms of law, we should just act on it, number one. And number two, where we've acted on it, um, our point of reference is uh, the Mpumalanga province, where in Mpumalanga there was a, a contractor where there were also challenges that were experienced and the contractor withdrew 
um, but uh, not uh, through no fault of the department. And the department then pursued recovery um, through the formal processes and the money was actually recovered from this particular contractor because the accounting officer and the department did not just let it go, honorable chair, honorable members. So that would be the long and short answer of that. At least come back and demonstrate to oversight and to the public out there that I've really attempted to pursue this and I tried to recover the funds. Um, where you are not successful in recovering the funds, let it be for reasons other than you not having pursued it. Maybe if the contractor has been liquidated or whatever other means we've explored, um, then uh, at least you can then demonstrate that you've executed your fiduciary responsibility. Then, um, Honorable Chair, in, in, in line with what should also be done and, and coming back a little bit to the material irregularity, um, I think there's a, a sense of frustration that was also um, voiced by the, by the Honorable Members in terms of the repetitive nature of some of these things. Um, yes, Honorable Chair, we also share the same frustrations because we, it puts us in a position where we are also annually putting forward the same recommendation because we don't address the root cause of this thing. We will tell you, go back, some, one of the members mentioned it, consequence management. We mentioned um, the action plans, what action plans should be put in place. I think it's Honorable Chirwa, what action plans should be put in place. We do recommend go back and put action plans in place uh, to address these shortcomings to our, our portfolios. But it seems there's a bit of a problem in terms of, of, of the speed within which these things are, are implemented. And hence, the Office of the AG then implemented the material irregularities through the, the, the support and guidance of, of, of Parliament. So um, the, the wheels are turning slowly, but they are turning. And uh, we are seeing uh, more and more instances of, of where we raise the material irregularities. The accounting officers come back to us and they report that they've taken some appropriate action. And I mean, that's what we want. We want accountability and consequence management to be implemented. Unfortunately, within the health sector, that seems to be quite slow. So as part of that process, like I committed to earlier, we'll then unpack some of these MIs uh, that we have in the sector and give the portfolio committee some further feedback in terms of the progress, what's happening, and some of the key developments uh, insofar as the MI. But certainly also in that space, we are raising those issues. Um, yeah, um, Honorable Chair, on the issue of, and I think a number of members also raised this issue on, on the one slide that, that Tabera flighted for us when she was dealing with the sector outcomes, the, one of the first slides of the outcomes. Chair, I think I'll, 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 ask, I'll ask and I'll um, advise that the, the committee maybe not, not look at, at, at the shock value that we've, we've put in place. Remember, the Office of the AG does not share the outcomes uh, or opinions on, on the AOPO audit, but we included it for the sector just to show you the significant challenges for the sector. So it's not a formal um, um, outcome in terms of those disclaimers and things that, were, that, that, that you saw on the screen. It's what they would have gotten had we expressed an opinion on AOPO. What is important for us, Chairperson, is to look at the block on the right-hand side with the narratives. So if the members could please, just please do me this one favor and just look at what we've documented. There. The issue we're raising, Honorable Chen, we're trying to link it to the medical legal claims discussion, is if you are required to report legally and uh, you know in terms of your 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 fiduciary responsibilities on your performance, so that you can report accurately and completely on your performance because the money that you would have requested from Parliament has already been spent and now you need to come and account. If you can't even do that, Chen, you'll see a lot of the programs that we've noted there or the provinces, they have limitations. So it means they they they, they can't even support and give us information for the performance that they are reporting. But the money is spent, Chairperson. 
honorable members, honorable chairperson, the money has been spent. But for the bulk of those provinces, when it comes to the performance information, the office of the AG in many instances was not provided with sufficient and uh, prerequisite uh, supporting inf information. What that then means, Chairperson, is if one draws inference, and, and we're all just drawing inference, we're trying to, to link the dots and connect the dots, is it indicates that you've got a potential problem with your records management processes and, and systems. So then we ask the question, let's go and unpack the medical legal claims a little bit further. Could it be that you actually are found wanting in the medical legal claim space because you didn't maintain proper records? You may even find that some of these cases that we keep losing and paying um, out these claims, that potentially we could have reduced the number of payouts had we at least had the supporting evidence to then support those cases. And that's the, 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 the reason why, as the Office of the AG, also Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, in the current financial year for the 21-22 financial year, the Office of the AG, in terms of our sector focus areas, will enhance and intensify our efforts on the issue of the medical legal claims to try and really determine what is the causal link of this thing and what is it resulting to? Because we all know, unfortunately, that it takes away from money from service, the earmarks for service delivery, but what is really contributing to this thing? What are the, the proper root causes? And can it be linked to this issue of poor and pro, uh, improper records management that we seem to be finding on, 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 on the program for AOPO or performance information when we test? It's also worthwhile noting, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, that when we test performance information as the Office of the AG for the sector, we actually select one consistent program that everybody is consistently required to have. And that program is program two. That is, the, I think the heading is district uh, health services. And within that program, there are key indicators which we deem to be quite key and, 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 and more directly linked to your service delivery mandate and where a lot of money is also spent by the sector. So already, if you know this program, which we've been auditing for a number of years, will be subject to audit, I think you would at least try and make effort just to make sure that you try and implement processes around that, that program. So a lot of money directly linked to service delivery, hence it's critical material and significance importance to us. That's why we select it and that's why we then review it and assess it and audit it and give management the, the outcomes. So, 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 so from that point of view, there is certainly a case to be made um, as was made by the honorable members that um, those uh, uh, executive authorities must come and account and explain exactly some of the shortcomings and how they're addressing those shortcomings in their respective portfolios. Um, maybe whilst I'm also speaking to the executive authorities, um, I'll, 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 I'll address one particular question that was asked um, earlier on. Um, that question was asked with regard to how we could advise the committee to uh, better hold the executive authorities to account. Yeah, so honorable chairperson, honorable members, that becomes a little bit difficult. It's a bit above my pay grade um, on a lighter note. Because remember the PFMA, when we look at the PFMA against which we audit, um, everything is assigned to the accounting officer and the accounting authorities for, for public entities. We do, however, engage the, the executive authorities. We give them the information. We empower them. We have regular engagements with them. Uh, before we, we come, 90% of the time before we come to Parliament, we would have engaged the executive authority in a particular portfolio to make them aware and alert of the issues, to give them the opportunity to also get their side, and then we come to oversight. So certainly all these issues that are raised here today have been shared with the executive authority, not only of the National Department, but also uh, the executive uh, authorities of the, 
of the provincial uh, uh, departments by our respective provincial provincial colleagues. What we could recommend, Honorable Chairperson, unfortunately, the executive authority accounts to parliament. Uh, parliament must really explore ways in which it regularly engages the executive authority and how then it uh, will uh, require the executive authority to uh, account to, to parliament. To conclude that particular part of, of, of that particular topic, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, when we came to Parliament um, last year and we did the BRRR process, you would recall we solicited some recommendations from, from the portfolio committee. So we said, if you consider in a particular environment, we've identified the root causes, we've identified what they are grappling with, we've given them the recommendations of how we think they should address it to address the issue. So what we then solicit from Parliament or the portfolio committee is to say, on a quarterly basis, when the, the, the respective portfolios come and account and they come in and do quarterly reporting, ask them explicitly, accounting officer, give me your list of all the people who incurred fruitless and wasteful expenditure. And this list, let's see what is the progress in terms of the investigations that you, that you have made. Have a special session where you just deal with consequence management, Honorable Chairperson. It's really my advice. I saw that it works to some degree and some extent. Scopa is one of the committees that I've also picked up that um, they seem to really have a big drive in this regard. So they will dedicate an entire session. We will come as office of the AG and we will brief them just on consequence management, irregular expenditure. We give them the contractors' names. We give them the amounts. And then from there, they go to the department and say, please tell me what you're doing about consequence management. And they will start and say, for this particular transaction number one, what are you doing? And they're actually able to find gaps in certain processes. Like, for example, there was one department that came and they said, oh, I've done consequence management. But what they had done is they'd given every single person who had incurred irregular expenditure a final written warning. And the committee said, no, but it doesn't make sense because if you've done a proper process, because Treasury says you must do an investigation, determine what went wrong, and on the basis of that, the punishment must fit the crime. So had they done that, they would have then realized that in this list that they had submitted to, 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 to SCOPA, they had actually submitted and given everybody a final written warning, whether you had incurred irregular expenditure of one rand or 10 rand, or whether you had incurred irregular expenditure of one billion rand. So it didn't make sense. And they didn't go and investigate what were the root causes, what went wrong, because over and above just doing the investigation of the, the consequence management, you are also required to go and determine what was the gap in the system so that you can close that gap and nip it in the bud and prevent similar instances of irregular expenditure from recurring? So if you don't do a proper determination, you will never understand, number one, how you should then uh, enforce your consequence management effectively and efficiently. You will never then determine what was the real root cause of why this thing was irregular and what went wrong. And so that you can then Im improve and implement uh, systems of internal control to prevent future incurrence or recurrence of, of the irregular expenditure. Honorable Chair, there was also a question on, and I'm trying to move as fast as I can, on the IT um, uh, issue at the department uh, raised by Honorable Chirwa. So, um, yeah, uh, we've also been constantly nagging at the, at the gate of the department with regard to the IT environment. Two things primarily. We've got a number of IT systems within the health portfolio. They have various systems. Unfortunately, these systems are not always talking to each other and you don't always understand how they are used and what they are used for. So if they could find a way of streamlining these things and streamlining these systems, you may even find that you are able to, 
to, to use them for future projects. Case in point, on this particular one for the vaccines, remember the, the, the health portfolio uh, is already supposed to have a, a system, an IT system that tracks the normal inoculations for other vaccines. So you have a vaccine program already, a successful vaccine program already running in our country for child immunizations and, 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 and the likes. And now you come and now you're supposed to roll out another vaccine a vaccination program and then we go and we get a different system. There may be justifiable business reasons, but I think the business reasons now at this point in time, because we have to move, are accepted. But when you take a strategic long-term step back, you actually realize that potentially we could have dealt away and not needed to develop a, a different system had we maybe streamlined our previous systems and treated them a little bit better and updated them a little bit better. Then there was a bit of a more direct uh, uh, question that was asked on, um, on, the, on the procurement of the system. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, the, the system was actually developed in-house by the department. We, we, we give them uh, 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 props for that. They developed the system in-house with the assistance of the CSIR. So the CSIR uh, was already contracted to the department for other work, and they just piggybacked of that arrangement, and they were successfully able to at least minimize the cost involved and not be exposed to any procurement uh, shortcomings in this regard. And um, also, because they were developing it, they also had then the the, the, the benefit of, of them driving the inputs and, and testing it themselves as and when they were going through the system. And I think that was also what facilitated the process for us to be able to give them the input so that they could go and as they were embarking and rolling it out, also make those necessary uh, adjustments. Granted, we still did re report a couple of shortcomings, but at least uh, from a positive point of view, they were able to respond to them. Uh, but to answer the question more directly, there was no procurement process. It was developed uh, through an existing contract with the, with the CSIR. Yes, there is a cost involved to it, but it's a minimal cost compared to what it would have cost had we then gone out and uh, procured the system from a, from a third party. And also, like I mentioned, the good work that was done around the actual development with whatever shortcomings it, it, it may uh, currently experience. Uh, to close the question or the, or the topic on the IT discussion, we're also planning to do some follow-up work on it. So yes, we will still do some audits um, on the system as part of our PFMA work. And then um, part of the work, um, Honorable Ishmael, just to also latch onto a method that you raised earlier on, would be also to address the issue of the digital um, certificates. So um, it's more like the after-sales service process, some of the shortcomings that were identified after implementation of the system. So that is definitely on our radar. And uh, hopefully we are in a position to give you feedback by the time we get to the BRRR process for this year, as we will incorporate that work as part of our PFMA work. Then, um, yeah, this, 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 this name seems not to be uh, going away, but uh, we're happy to engage on it. Um, it's, it's on the digital uh, uh, vibes. So yes, the digital digital vibes is not is not included in here. Um, I think from our point of view, when we looked at the costing and the risk exposure for us, uh, honorable chair, honorable members, we really tried to focus on the big ticket items, being the acquisition of the vaccines and the logistics and the distribution. And then with whatever little resources we had available, we then tried to supplement, like I said, with how the vaccines were administered um, at facility level, just to make sure we also don't lose the essence of the service delivery uh, implications. So uh, looking at the awareness campaigns, compared to what they've spent compared to the overall uh, budget uh, uh, procured in terms of the vaccination program, it was not material and significant, so we didn't spend our efforts on it. However, on the digital vibe specifically, 
Um, I think honourable chair and honourable members would recall that the minister did come to parliament or the previous minister, and they have repeatedly at least um, uh, acknowledged that the, the finding was picked up by the office of the AG uh, when they were just doing the special report process and trying to unpack the costs spent uh, related to COVID. And uh, we also then recommended they do, that they do a, an investigation. And on the strength of that investigation, uh, we then also collaborated, like I mentioned earlier, with the investigative body being the SIU. You'll actually see, Honorable Chairperson, on a lighter note, that my name and Ms. Tabero Musisinyane's name are included in the SIU report there in a table where it mentions the people interviewed as part of, of, of the Digital Vibes um, 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 investigation. And from the office of the AG's point of view, honorable chair, honorable members, um, you know, the, the whole process of doing or the whole purpose and objective of doing material irregularity is to get people to act, to get consequences and for, and for something to happen when something is reported. So even though from our point of view, it did not necessarily result in an MI being reported, we were satisfied at that point in time that uh, the SIU had already undertaken the, the, the work. Remember what I mentioned earlier? When we do the MI process, Either we tell the accounting officer first, we are recommending, go and do your investigations, finish your work within six months. They don't do that. We evaluate, we come back and we say, okay, now we are instructing you to kindly please go and do the requested uh, actions and implement those actions. Failure of which then we either refer if there's a suspicion of criminality to the investigative bodies, or if there is a clear evidence of the loss and is determined, then we give you the certificate of debt, which is the last resort. But you hear, as part of our normal MI processes, we would have referred anyway. So we were more than happy when this um, project and the transaction was also then picked up by the SIU. And then we collaborated and provided inputs in, in, this, in this regard. Um, I think I've also touched on how the MI work and what the intention is with regard to enforcement. Sure. Yeah, then Honorable Chair. There was also one on um, the changes in the vaccine supply. I think that also came up um, in terms of the implications of, of the, 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 the expiration date and, and, and what is going to happen with that. Um, one of the members, um, and I'm, I'm quite, when I mentioned the member's name, Chase, just in acknowledgement of the person asking the question, it's not that I'm engaging the person directly because I know I'm supposed to say through you, Chairperson. So uh, through you, Chairperson, Honorable Chirwa was a little bit more uh, direct in terms of her question around the vaccine. I'll, 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 I'll touch it along with um, what was raised by Honorable Ishmael as well. Honorable Chair, we certainly looked at some of the initial plans that were put in place by the department and the sector. Tabero did give some um, feedback that uh, we didn't identify any significant gaps in this regard. I think from our point of view, Honorable Chair, what makes it difficult for, for us to express a view on whether there was you know, overplanned or underplanned or oversupply or poor planning is there were a set of circumstances and assumptions at a particular point in time. The planning was based on assumptions. And those assumptions, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, were also informed and driven by the scenario and the circumstances that were prevailing at that particular point in time. And there were a lot of unknowns uh, at that point in time. So we also had to just apply ourselves and give management that latitude to say, well, you are the experts in this field. It's supported by people who are um, you know, deemed experts in this field, um, the SAPRAS and the, the, the other guys in terms of uh, what can come in at what point in time. And, and again, uh, you, you would recall, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, um, you are doctors, you are specialists in your field, I'm an accountant and an, uh, an auditor by trade. So to the best of our ability, looking at whether those assumptions were reasonable, given the circumstances, at that point in time, uh, we didn't raise any significant um, um, issues in, in this regard. 
So um, the fact that uh, subsequently, um, you know, there's now hesitation in terms of the uptake, and now it potentially results in these vaccines uh, not being utilized and potentially uh, some form of, of expiration and, and wastage. Um, I think hindsight is, is is the best vision. So we can't say whether they they, they did. We can't fold them as part of the process uh, that they engaged at that particular point in time, honourable chair, honourable members. What we cannot walk away from, however, is you are you now sit with the information today. What are you doing about it? And that's maybe a more pertinent question that um, we should all be asking the officials because if they then let it to expire, they will then certainly have to also answer tough questions from the office of the AG in terms of the wastage and the reporting thereof and how then uh, we will interrogate and ask, could they have done something different? Could they have done something better? Because they knew a month ago, they now know. Likewise with the AstraZeneca one, as soon as they became aware of the problems, they then started uh, engaging in a process of trying to uh, resell it onwards to some of our um, counter uh, uh, colleagues in, in, in our neighboring countries, which they were able to successfully do. So they would have a tough time if they allowed this batch to expire on that basis of slow uptake, because they've already proven that when faced with this particular challenge, there are avenues to be explored. And they would need to come and demonstrate how those were explored and why they were unsuccessful if it then uh, comes to that particular point in time. Um, so, Honourable Chair, I think I've touched on the issue of the of the budget for, for the education. The budget was there, Honourable Chair, but our focus, like I mentioned, from a materiality point of view, we focused on the acquisition and the logistic distribution. However, those transactions, because they still form part of the expenditure report of the department for the year, the PFMA year that is under review, those may form part of our sample as we do our usual or normal PFMA work. So whatever we did not cover at a particular point in time, you will at least make sure that it's included for consideration as part of our work for the normal PFMA cycle that we are going to embark on now. So that includes this follow-up, the follow-up on the vaccine, the follow-up on the on the IT work, and also includes the follow-up on the no-fault compensation fund that was also asked by one of the honourable members earlier on. So on that particular aspect, honourable chair, honourable members, when we were doing the work as of August, there were still some legal consultations that were taking place between the sector, the portfolio, the executive authority, the executive authority of finance, um, and all these role players to try and give to affect the mechanics and the, the, the workings of the, of the no-fault compensation fund and the respective agreements. So at that particular point in time, we then decided to give them the necessary space to go and, 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 and do their, their consultations. Um, but it's also something that we will then, as, uh, as, uh, as part of the PFMA audit, also look at how, how we consider it. Part of the considerations for, for, for PFMA work will also be the recoupment of the vaccine money that uh, that um, you know for the for the citizens who were vaccinated um, um, who have medical aid the ones who possess medical aid remember there was an understanding and an end an undertaking from the medical aid scheme that they will refund um, government for members who who possess medical aid so because we're only now recovering um, we've already cut off our audit work in August so now we're going to make sure that uh, we don't leave that also. Um, untouched uh, as part of the PFMA work. So there'll certainly be quite a number of things that we will need to come and follow up with, with you as a committee by the time we do BRRR. Hopefully, we'll have some, some, some news around this. Well, I mean, we'll always have news, whether there's a finding or we come and we tell you there are no findings, but we'll probably have to just come back and close the loop with the committee at that particular point in time. 
Okay, I think I've, I've touched on the bulk of the, the questions. I'll just quickly audit myself and just make sure that I haven't uh, uh, missed something. Um, there was something from Honorable Van Staden that was a little bit more specific on the infrastructure uh, processes. So on the infrastructure process, the, the question was around the, 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 the response from the executive authority indicating the 34 hospitals built from 1994 to 2021. So Honorable Chair, now unfortunately we don't have this information to show which uh, what the number is when we go and we want to look at um, the health sector from a service delivery point of view we look at everything uh, 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 when we embark on our work that, that we do in this regard so uh, if um, the the honorable member so wishes we could try and, and see if we can't get the information but uh, should we not be successful i think the department is probably best place to respond to this information uh, but because like i mentioned for us it, 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 we, we we look at everything holistically we look at all the hospitals we look at the state of infrastructure, we look at everything that's now currently underway, so it becomes a little bit difficult to dissect the information to that to that level. I hope the Honourable Member will at least understand um, um, the, that question. So we can't say whether the work that we did relates specifically to those 34 hospitals or some of the hospitals that might be pre, but I think certainly uh, we have the, the list of the hospitals and the sites that we visited. We can certainly share it with the Honourable Member and through you, Chairperson, and the honourable member can then look at the the hospitals and the list and and then see whether they were built pre or post uh, that particular uh, 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 point the honourable member requires. Um, there was also something on the vials, but I think the vials issue was more around the consequence management. Tavero has adequately highlighted, um, honourable chair, honourable members, the risk that we are trying to bring to the attention of the of the of the, of the sector. So say look. They could reuse these things, or and then uh, therefore be susceptible to some fraudulent activity. Now, when we mean fraudulent activity, we mean them uh, filling them with water and then selling them onwards uh, to people either on the black market or wherever it is. So we try to look at it really holistically to see what are the different levels of exposure. Much like we would, for example, if we cover medical waste, uh, it might be something maybe that that it's a little bit more specific or a little bit more you know ring fenced. But we try and highlight. It because of the of the inherent risks that that that, that it poses um so from a consequence management point of view again um it's for the department to go and really determine who was assigned the responsibility to adequately deface or or, or destroy these vials and if that person didn't do their job what is the follow-up procedures in terms of consequence management and i know i'm oversimplifying it but really chairperson it is that simple in terms of the policy and guidelines so there's a guideline that said if you are distributing these vials and once you've used them deface them so people are supposed to also then be held accountable who were assigned the responsibility in this regard and i'm also happy to report that this is actually one of the the things that we brought to the attention of the department when they were embarking on the rollout and they quickly updated and implemented their guidelines uh, when they were administering is just now a pity that we planned so, so nicely for it, but uh, the implementation thereof then had some weak spots uh, and, and weaknesses in it. I think I've, I've reached the, the bulk of the, the questions on the chat. If there's anything that I've missed, um, oh yeah, there was one from um, that was also quite specific. I've dealt with unfavorable audit outcomes in the UAFE and the lack of implementation. It was more common from Honorable Clark. But there was also one rather specific one from Honorable Clark in terms of the cruels and the, the medical claims specifically, where we're asking whether the lawyers um, are subject to a certain criteria by the law society in terms of whatever they charge. So, uh, Honorable Chair, we are not aware. We know that the the department mostly uses the state uh, attorneys and the state attorneys obviously then would have set 
criteria. But sometimes the state attorneys also then outsource some of that work. But where they do outsource it, at least it's subject to a process or it's supposed to be subject to a process uh, in terms of getting those specialist skills. We can certainly follow up for the honorable member in terms of the specific question. And the reason why I'm committing to follow up is because, like I mentioned earlier, um, the Office of the Age is really going to zoom in on the root causes of the medical legal claims. Um, part of the zooming in will also uh, seek to determine when you appointed these guys, the lawyers, did your officials also come and pitch? Did your officials also supply them with sufficient information for them to be able to represent the case sufficiently that could have maybe ultimately resulted in a more positive outcome. And we can just incorporate this particular question in terms of value for money as part of, 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 of that exploration going forward, Honorable Chair. Um, yeah, Honorable Chair, I think unless uh, there's a member who vehemently is uh, you know, feeling that I haven't touched on, on, on whatever they've raised, um, they may feel, feel oh, maybe this in conclusion, Chair, there was one that um, Chair also raised. I spoke to it earlier when we started the, 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 the responses. Uh, it was on the contractors and the infrastructure, but uh, Chair's uh, question was more specific to ask with, uh, you know, inquiring with regard to the non-performance or the blacklisted contractors who don't perform. Uh, Chair, there is certainly a list. I'm, I'm not sure of the details, but there is, a, they call it the non-performance of something, something list. Um, where if you have a specific problem with a contractor, then you put them on there and you know them and you cite your, your case for exactly what, what the problem was. And these should also be considered as part of the procurement processes when, when, when departments uh, and entities engage on, on, on procurement when they're procuring uh, contractual services or contracting services. So there is a list. It should be enforced. Where it's not enforced, so that's also maybe one of the things that the portfolio committee we may tangibly recommend be implemented. Ask them when they come, give me a list of all your infrastructure projects. Who are all your appointed contractors? And then give me a dashboard report in terms of your progress that they have, that are making on the respective projects. So if one is highlighted in red in terms of lack of progress, then they must clearly indicate quickly what they are doing in terms of consequence management or following that up. And for the ones that the contracts have ended, but it's poor quality, they must also then be able to report to the portfolio committee whether they've listed those guys in terms of that list that, 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 that is um, uh, provided for such instances so that other people can then uh, make the, the exact same uh, informed decisions in their future uh, contracting arrangements. Chair, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a break or a pause here. I hope I've covered all the, the issues that were raised by all the honorable members. Um, unless, uh, like I said, if there's a member that feels specifically they raised something that's specific that I haven't um, addressed, they must please feel free to um, 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 raise it again um, under your direction and guidance. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, we appreciate this frank, robust, honest uh, replies which you had given uh, Andres from the uh, AG's office. There is one member who wants to just ask a clarity-seeking question, and I'm going to allow her, but she has one question. That's it, just for clarity. Uh, Honorable Ismail, please don't take long. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Chair, and thank you to the AG for the, you know, um, uh, for the responses, very much appreciated. I just have one clarity-seeking question. Now, once uh, a contractor is declared insolvent or they, you know, report back that they are now insolvent or whatever the case may be, 
are there any processes you know that can be uh, taken you know to actually check their bank accounts because we're finding a lot at all spheres of government you know where a contractors actually declare themselves insolvent in the meantime they've already transferred funds from one bank account to another so are there any you know processes in place to actually check this before actually accepting you know that you know you know the insolvent and now we need to we've lost that funds and we need to go on you know with another contractor thank you you can respond Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you, Honorable Ifma. What a, what a tough question to ask right at the end when I thought I'm done with my work. I can roll up my sleeves now. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's a very brilliant question, um, um, Honorable uh, Ishmael, uh, through you, Honorable Chair. So um, my understanding of the liquidation process, you can't just declare solvency. You need to demonstrate that. The unfortunate challenge now, um, uh, Honorable Chair, is the fact that the person can come and produce their bank account, and the bank account will show limited funds, but the funds have already been transferred out. So where there's such a suspicion, then the, the, the accounting officers and the officials out there are advised to go lodge a complaint should they have such a suspicion or refer these things for investigation. Because as soon as you then move the funds away, there's an element of suspected criminality in this regard that must then be further explored. But other than that, um, obviously, like I said, I am an accountant. We don't deal with the issues of criminality. We look at the invoices and the books, but where we suspect certain things, we just refer it. Um, and that's the best response I can give, just to make sure that uh, then where uh, such suspicions are there, that we go and um, lodge it with the, with the relevant authorities for further um, uh, investigation. Thank you very much once again. Uh, let me also then finally congratulate uh, Mr. Bello Lucy Siniani, who is now responsible for health as a deputy business leader, as you mentioned earlier, so we will be working much more with her in the future. And Ms. Mule Tipe as a manager health portfolio. That's from our portfolio committee. And then uh, we, as a concluding remark, we note the input, the suggestions, and the recommendations uh, as we wish to improve and execute our work of oversight over the department and the sectors. I want to mention just the four important things which crop up all the time. It's procurement management, project management, consequence management, and the need for a for contract management unit uh, within the department. So, honorable members, thank you very much for coming today for this uh, very important meeting. Uh, we are going to continue with minutes, which we need to adopt. We do have some time. And then I'm also going to speak to some points which uh, honorable uh, Clark had raised. And we should also uh, probably speak about uh, the provincial oversight meetings which, which we should still have within the near future. So you're very welcome to leave um, the AG's office as we will continue with our work. Is that uh, Honorable Clark? I see your hand raised. Um, yes, Chairperson. Um, I would just like to make a recommendation and that is that we ensure that we bring the departments back to this committee and interrogate them in terms of what the AG has recommended. I think it's about half time that these guys need to feel the pain that continue doing this kind of deviation. Thank you. Thank you. So some concluding remark from you, uh, Andres? Have you left already? 
no, no, thanks, Chair. Honorable Chair, from our side, uh, both myself and my colleagues, we would uh, like to take this opportunity to really thank the, the committee uh, for the opportunity to uh, come and engage with the, with the, with the committee. Um, Honorable Chair, um, these engagements are really important. I think you've, you've, you've understood and heard the messages uh, that we've uh, uh, tried to bring forward here today and, and elevate to your level. Um, I always, uh, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a jovial person, Honorable Chair, I'm a lighthearted person. Um, I always say when accountants and auditors make a mistake, then uh, you fix it via a journal or a reconciliation. But when uh, doctors make a mistake, people pass away. So definitely we understand the importance of this sector and for this sector to really perform well. And therefore, um, all the work that we do, we don't just do it by taking out the big stick and trying to whip them. We also try and partner with them to make sure that we bring the blind spots that could uh, really adversely impact on, on service delivery to their attention. So we really appreciate your support and your role as well in, in this regard. And we, we will continue to work uh, closely with the committee to make sure that we also all work together towards the progression of the health sector. Thanks, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much. You're very welcome to leave uh, now. We are certain that you have a lot of other work to do. Ms. Machalamba, if we can then go directly to the outstanding minutes, if you can fly those minutes, please. Honourable members, we have uh, minutes of the 9th of March, and please, on the first page, as we always go through this, make certain that you are captured to have been present, or have that you have apologised, that is on page 2. And we will know that this was a briefing by the Commission for Gender Equality on, the, on its investigation into choice on termination of pregnancies in South Africa. Page three, please. You may uh, just uh, shout on this platform if, uh, if there is anything that you pick up, honorable members. Page four. Page five. Page six. Page seven. Page eight. Page nine. And page ten. Can I ask for adoption of these uh, minutes of the 9th of March, please? Any movers? Chairperson, I move for the adoption of the minutes. Thank you very much, Honorable Sukacha. Any second to the movement of uh, Honorable Sukacha for the adoption of these minutes of the 9th of March? I second the chair. Thank you, Honorable Dr. Harvard, for seconding. Ms. Majalamba, do we have any other minutes? No, Chair, we are up to date. Thank yes, you, Chair. I remember that was the last. Thank you very much. Um, Ms. Majalamba, um, I do not remember us having anything else we want to talk about today. So 
I'm just asking you if you know of anything that I am missing, maybe now not remembering. No, sir, not that I know. Thank you very much. So, um, in conclusion, honorable members, we heard a request by honorable talk around the draft regulations which we had um, noticed uh, being mentioned. Uh, I am not certain that we had officially received such a communication. And then secondly, so it is something that we would put on our uh, agenda for the future. And um, we do have other programs which we will be embarking upon. And uh, you will get more information on those programs as we will be informed by Ms. Majalamba in the emails. So I cannot say we are definitely going to be doing this in the next week or two. And then we keep on reminding ourselves on the provincial oversight which we are supposed to be having. Um, and we are also mindful that Parliament will rise very soon, but that we hear the, the issues which are raised by the AG and that we should make certain that we actually execute our oversight work uh, much more stringently in, in terms of the sectors or the provinces. So with that having been said, Honourable Members, I'm going to close this meeting. There is nothing else that we need to do. Have a very good day. Thank you. Meeting is adjourned. Recording stopped.